Morning Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition to finish up the week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. And, oh, we got another packed show. This entire week has been bananas, uh, but it's a good bananas because there is so much to talk about. We've got Stanley Cup playoffs to get to. We've got WHL playoffs to get to. The Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings finally get it on tonight at the Ice Cave. Game one tonight, game two tomorrow. And big 6'6 six, six center Jack Finley of the Winnipeg Ice will join us on today's show. We're also going to talk some CFL. The Bombers are on the practice field today as training camp has resumed with the strike being taken care of. PSN football insider Dave Naylor is going to join us in a few minutes to break down the deal, what it means for the Canadian Football League, as well as take a look around the league heading into training camps. Well, it's Friday afternoon. You know what that means. The buffet is locked and loaded. Ken Weeb, Weeb's World himself, will pop by a little bit later on. And with the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness on the weekend, we'll also have a quick visit from Kirk Contois later on in the program to fill us in on who should we ju- who we, we should be jumping on at hpibet.com with a couple of picks for the Preakness before we do our own race, the Marble Race to finish off another week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Assiniboia Downs, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, Dustin Nielsen and I just finished the weekend edition of the Lock Shop. It's up right now on Twitter if you check out my uh, my feed. But make sure if you're listening on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, pop in Lock Shop or the Lock Shop. Subscribe to that. New episodes Tuesday and Friday. And uh, maybe more to come as we get uh, through the summer into next year with a bit of a Lock Shop expansion. All right, let's get to it. Get Remus in here and get this Friday party started. What's going on? Woo! Friday, right? We're ready. Long ready weekend, lo- Friday. Long like if weekend. It wasn't three degrees and raining or snowing in most places around here. I think people would be even more fired up. But yeah. that being said, I'll take the three days off. We got PGA Championship going on. We've got some great playoff action that we can watch down at the Ice Cave. And of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs are delivering so far into round two. Man, I was watching last night, thought I was going to get some overtime, but Kucherov said no way with a beautiful one-touch pass. That's why you play, that's why they call it a full 60. Us. It's not a cliche. Not playing a 59 seconds. Behind the net, one-toucher. Uh, Ross Colton, those one-touch, I've tried those like in my league. They make it look so easy in NHL. It's it's impossible uh, to have that kind of hands to put it right on the stick. Uh, Incredible. So, yes, some great playoff hockey, but also um, we are are on Trot's Watch here as well. Always, 24-7. 24-7 Trot's Watch here at uh, WST. Mm. Uh, Do we have some news? We've got some reporting from Big J Journos on what is going on with the former Islanders head coach and uh, the guy... Everyone in Winnipeg would like to see come home to take over the Jets. Yes. Okay, here is the update. So today is was supposed to be the meeting between Barry Trotz and the Philadelphia Flyers. 
Kelly Moore tweeted out today as I pull up the tweet. Here it is. Barry Trotz may end up meeting with Philly, but I'm told by someone I trust implicitly it won't be uh, happening today. As colleague John Shannon NHL mentions in his Friday commentary on CGOB, please don't spend a lot of your long weekend fixated on a Trotz watch. Easy for you guys to say. Yeah, come on, Kelly. Easy for you guys to say. We're... We're building a monument right now. We've got a 24-hour vigil happening in and around the uh, Canada Life Centre to bring Barry Trotz home. So while uh, and I'm joking, of course, but listen, this is the biggest story right now when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. And it's not just the Winnipeg Jets um, that you know would be interested in the services of Barry Trotz. Let's get to the Kiprios uh, report, though, yeah. Remo, because it gives you an idea about how many teams are interested in one of the most successful coaches in NHL history, and the price tag it might cost to get Barry Trotz behind your respective bench. Yeah, we've kind of speculated on price. You know, we've referred to a Brinks truck, but how much money should be in that Brinks truck that's being backed up towards Barry Trotz? Nick Kiprios reporting, hearing as many as six to seven NHL teams have reached out to Barry Trotz camp, clubs under the impression the price tag could fall in the six uh, million per range. It doesn't sound like a decision is imminent at this point. Great. Take as long as you need. We can keep putting out YouTube videos, speculating on it, uh, getting <laughs> excited for every little nugget. I am totally okay with that, as uh, I think our YouTube views have doubled this month compared to last month. Thank you. Thank you, Barry Trotz. Well, and... and- Hey, listen, it is in some ways the gift that keeps on giving because it is something that everyone's interested in. Everyone that's, you know, concerned and, you know, into invested in the Winnipeg Jets would love to see happen for the most part. I mean, I guess I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, this is going to be, I, I was just thinking about this when you mentioned that number, Remo. I mean, what an amazing position Trotz is in. He gets fired from a position where he had one year left at $4 million and we'll have his pick of a number of teams. We're basically talking about 20% of the league uh, reportedly would love to him to be the coach. And you get a 50% increase to 6 million reportedly from a $4 million. Like Barry Trotz is going to end up being the big winner out of this. And that's not always the case when you get a pink slip from your employer. It's almost like he had an opt-out or something in his contract. You see that with all these baseball guys. Oh, you know, they opt-out and they just get a, a better deal. So seemed to work out pretty good for him. The six to seven teams interested. And there might be one more team that we can add on to the list today, Hustler, who we did have a couple um, Kevin Weeks Dude, bombs. The best. Weeks. And- can I just quickly, before we mention it, Weeks's ascension into the insider game and the way that he continues to put out his content is the best thing that's happened in hockey Twitter and the hockey internet over the course of the last year. The I get so excited when I hear that, what's going on, you NHL fans? Because you know that it's going to be breaking news. And then, of course, the other thing is where he's doing his video from. Today, he broke the news of the Corpus Allo extension for one year in Columbus from his bathroom with his shower running, no one does it like Kevin Weeks, the insider of the people. 
Here, do you want to, want to play it right now? Yes, absolutely. I want to play every Kevin Weeks drop that he ever does. This is for the folks. If you're just listening on the podcast, you'll be able to hear the shower. If you're watching on YouTube, you get the full Kevin Weeks experience from his latest breaking news. What's going on, you NHL fans? Hope you're doing well. We see come to you live here. Shower time. You hear it running in the back. Breaking news. Columbus Blue Jackets have re-signed goaltender Jonas Corposalo to a one-year extension. Again, the Blue Jackets have re-signed Corposalo to a one-year extension. Time to get in the shower. <laughs> he, okay, we need to talk about this. He's like, all right, I got to do my breaking news video. Let's... Where can I go? I'm going to go in the shower. Oh, it's not as interesting if the shower is not on. Steaming hot water in there. Well, that might be the best one. That was well done. He, they're, they're getting better all the time. And the fact that he already has his own catchphrase. Like, I want a shirt. I want a shirt that has weeks on it that just says, what's going on, you NHL fans? That, <laughs> that would be a bestseller. And maybe we should get out, get out in front of it and do it ourselves. That could be our first one. The, uh, the Kevin Weeks dream guest. We're going to have to reach out and get Weeksy on at some point. Um, it, doing just a, such a great work as a broadcaster now and insider. And you know what? He's another guy, Remus, that it has been mentioned a number of times for potentially a future in the front office of an NHL team. Um, regardless, I want more Kevin Weeks. And uh, there's few things that get me as excited on the internet than the line, What's going on, you NHL fans? Because you know Weeks is about to drop something. Well, and going back to Trot's watch, you know, we had speculated on teams that would be interested six to seven. So let's try to think of the six to seven teams Kiprios mentioned. What do we have? The Jets, Flyers, Vegas. Detroit. Detroit. Well, Dallas now with Rick Bonus well, being uh, stepping away, or I guess we didn't get to that. We didn't What's get going to on, that. You NHL fans, I was breaking gonna, news. I was going to intro this, and then Kevin Weeks uh, just before we got on outside on the street. Uh, here, here he is, one more time. What's going on, you NHL fans? We see coming to you live here from Rutherford, New Jersey. Hope you're doing well. Breaking news: the Dallas Stars head coach. Rick Bonus, who's been behind a bench more than any coach in NHL history, over 2,500 games, will be stepping away immediately. And in addition to him, the assistant coaches will also not be returning to the Dallas Stars. There you go. Another another drop from Kevin Weeks on Dallas. And, you know, this is interesting. I mean, I think Bonus did a great job. I mean, I didn't think Dallas was a playoff team. Mind you, I thought that they sort of took the Jets spot in the playoffs. So take that for what it's worth. Hey. Um, but I mean, he had that run to the final. He really did do a great job since taking over. What was it when Jim Montgomery basically, uh, you know, had to, had to step away due to whatever was happening off the ice. Uh, but as he mentioned, I mean, this is a guy that has major ties to the Winnipeg Jets, um, just an amazing career, but it does open up a big opportunity in Dallas for a prospective new head coach with the assistants not coming back. And kind of weird after a playoff year where many would agree that the Dallas Stars maybe exceeded their expectations that they're going to be having a brand new coaching staff. But Rick Bonus, I mean, an absolute just salt of the earth dude. As Kevin mentioned, over 2,500 games on NHL benches. No one has more experience. Time for Rick, I think, to uh, maybe enjoy 
uh, some time away from the rink going forward. So uh, another opening, and certainly you think if you got an opening right now, you're at least making a call to Barry Trotz and seeing what he thinks about your your team and the opportunity in your city. For sure, and you mentioned 25 years. I mean, we can look at Rick Bonus's hockey DB right now, starting in 84, 85 with the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't know if I've ever seen a hockey DB that goes this long. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> it lengthy. never ends. It's, it's endless, as you said. So Phoenix, Islanders, Ottawa, Canucks, Lightning, Dallas. And they did have that surprise run to the finals. Uh, Joel Kivaranta, that's where he became a household name. And Anton Kudobin. Um, so, I mean, Dallas, They look, they beat the Jets in overtime over and over again this year. That's kind of what took them into the playoffs. And as you said, they stole stole the Jets' jet spot. But I'm maybe they could be a name as well uh, who are interested. Although I don't, like, I never thought Dallas was that good. But they were in the playoffs. And they took Calgary to seven games. And now I think Jake Ottinger was a huge part of that. But I'm not sure what to make of Dallas for the future. Although they do have a pretty solid top line. With Hints, Robertson, and Pavelski. Yeah, I mean, listen, Rupi Hints is an absolute stud, and Jason Robertson is going to be a star. What's weird is that, and you could make some comparisons to the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, for so long, it's been all about Sagan and Ben, and they've got, what, nine and nine and a half of, uh, so like, you know, almost 19 million bucks a year invested in those two guys, and they've been steadily on the decline over the last few years. But... I mean, they've had other guys step up and become that top line. And Joe Pavelski, I mean, you want to talk about an ageless wonder. I mean, the way that he's performed since going to Dallas, probably making San Jose kicking themselves for letting a guy like that get away, even at the age that he is. But, uh, you know, it will be youth. They've got Heiskanen. We'll see what happens with John Klingberg. I think it's likely that he'll be elsewhere signing a, a bigger money free agent deal than the uh, stars are able to uh, to a, able to give him. Uh, but listen, it's another opening. So that's five teams right now, Remus. Six or seven. Um, you know, I had someone mention, what if Florida gets swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning? Do they come back with Andrew Brunette? Or do they look to make a significant upgrade up to the level that they had in a guy like Joel Quenville. Certainly Barry Trotz would be at the top of that list as well. So I think it's safe to say that every team that needs a coach and maybe some that technically don't yet are still given long thought and wouldn't mind having a conversation with Barry Trotz's representatives. Yeah, it seems like everyone's kicking the tires. So Florida is an interesting one. Andrew Burnett's a guy who's been in the front office for a while in Florida, and he was with the Minnesota Wild behind the bench after Quenville departed. Do they go with him next year? Or, yeah, you're right. Or do they go? I mean, that, you know, Barry Trotz, Florida, nice weather, but another place without uh, state income tax. So, I mean, you look, what is it, May? It's May 20 here in Winnipeg right now, Huss, and it's snowing. Who who wouldn't want to come coach here? That. Yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want to? Just make sure the interviews are on location. Although when it comes to Barry Trotz, he knows yeah. very well what this province is about. He's one of us. And I think that's part of the reason why people think that maybe the Jets have a, a a unique advantage. If it is an advantage at all, it is if Barry Trotz feels that, you know, there's a special opportunity and something cool about coming back to potentially finish his time as a head coach doing something special here in his home province. We'll talk about it with Ken Weeb coming up a little bit later on. We did have two games last night in the league. And as we mentioned, Remo, uh, lightning up 2 nothing, two road wins against the Florida Panthers. And 
man, the defending champs seem to just be getting better coming out of that seven-game test against the Leafs in round number one. And now the Panthers, the number one team all year in the East, are on the ropes, needing to win on the road just to get the series back to South Florida. Yeah, what happened to this offense? We were going to see 1-1, Vasilevsky and Bob going toe-to-toe. Looked like we were headed to overtime. And as I mentioned before, Kutrov with a beautiful pass to Ross Colton, who's really made a name for himself the last couple of weeks. This Florida power play just hasn't been able to get going at all. Scoring for a team that scored, you know, would put up so many goals during the year. They just haven't done that during these playoffs. And we said yesterday, I, I, like, I don't know why Tampa would be an underdog there in the series. They're two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. You know how can you how can you bet against them? And they got all the top players. Even if experience. it was closer to a pick'em or something, and I get yeah, Florida at home were... ice. I mean, I think we've seen that home ice only means so much in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And hey, I'll tell you what, you keep hanging plus one forty numbers on the Lightning. I'll keep betting it and uh, hopefully keep cashing. Yeah, keep cashing those tickets. The St. Louis Blues, though, Remus, right back in the series and. Listen, they got it to overtime in game number one, but they were outshot more than two to one. I thought they were fortunate to even be in the game late, although they tied it up late to get it to overtime. Um, but man, what a performance by St. Louis. Um, David Perron, on what his third time around with the Blues, continues to make things happen. And as much as I can't stand the guy, Jordan Bennington, his... Um, Jordan Bennington is stepping up and playing like 2019 Jordan Bennington. We hadn't seen him very much in the last couple of years, but he is back. And Craig Berube's team made a statement that they aren't going anywhere quickly. They have taken home ice from the avalanche and head back to St. Louis for the weekend with a 1-1 series tie. Yeah. Okay. Before I get to that, I just need to say about four. I mentioned their power play. You know what their power play percentages uh, this year has? In the playoffs, in the regular season or the playoffs? In the playoffs. 10%. Zero, 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 zero for 25. Lowest in the uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, can't get lower than zero. As far as that game, Jordan Bennington, here are some numbers. I thought uh, Huso was the man in the regular season. Bennington was one of those guys, uh, maybe like a Cam Ward who has that, you know, playoff performance, Stanley Cup winning rookie season, and then, just can't seem to capture that magic. He was 901 save percentage in the regular season. 313 goals against here in the playoffs in five games. 948 save percentage and a 175 goals against. So, I mean, he's got to be good. He was pretty good in game one against Colorado, but, uh, you know, they couldn't handle it in overtime. But yesterday, even better. And there they were scoring. And David Perron, I thought David Perron was done years ago when he was in Edmonton. But uh, he he's man, he's Total a solid renaissance player. of his career, renaissance of his career back again in St. Louis, the place where it started. He's left. He's gone back. He's left. He's gone back again. Yeah. And uh, now they're back again in the second round of the playoffs and had the big upset last night of the Colorado Avalanche. We'll get to tonight's games a little bit later on. Rangers in Carolina, as well as round two of the Battle of Alberta. We'll do that in the cool bet lines towards the end of the program. Uh, but I should quickly, we're going to get to Dave Naylor um, and get the breakdown on the new agreement from the CFL and the CFLPA and Dave's thoughts on the league now that it's all about football and not about boardrooms and negotiation. But before we do that, I do want to give a quick 
Breezy Bend PGA Championship leaderboard update. Of course, we do our golf reports all year long for our friends at Breezy Bend, one of Winnipeg's top private courses. If you're interested in finding out more about a long-term golfing home for you and your family, check them out at breezybend.ca or give the course a call and ask for our good friend Corey Johnson. Um, Justin Thomas, back-to-back 67s. He was out there in the wind this morning. Three under par, brilliant round. He is in the clubhouse with the lead at six under par. Now, Rory McIlroy, who was five under, and Will Zalatoris, who was four under, along with Tom Hoagie yesterday, all have afternoon tee times. We'll see whether this wind dies down at all, uh, but it is definitely going to be a real challenge for the players out there this afternoon. Right now, the cut line is looking in and around plus three, plus four. Um, so we'll give an I'll give you an update on that a little bit later on on the program as far as uh, and and we'll also take a look at the Winnipeg Sports Talk DraftKings contest. But we'll do that right at the end of the program, maybe in and around when we're getting ready for the marble race. And if you haven't been around for the marble race before, all you need to do hit that red subscribe button. You should do that anyways and stick around at the end of the show. The uh, the highlight, the popular highlight, the end of the week is the marble race. We'll have some fun doing that before we all go our separate ways for the long weekend. All right, before we get to Dave Naylor, um, do want to thank our friends at Aikens Lake and congratulate them on welcoming guests back. It's been a real tough couple years for anyone in the hospitality industry. And when you are operating a five-star fly-in fishing lodge with guests from around the world, um, it certainly impacted it. But they are ready for their busiest season ever. We cannot wait to get down there to really Manitoba paradise later on in the summer. And if you want to check out, there are some limited availabilities for a fan, friends and family trip, a corporate outing. Find out more and check it out at AkinsLake.com or hit our friend Pitt to rent up on Twitter at AkinsLake. Uh, Wallace and Wallace, of course, are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, serving residential and commercial customers in the peg since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call at 452-2700 for a free estimate. They've got it all vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door they've also got winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors visit them at their showroom on lawson road off keniston or find out more online at wallacefences.com hey i gotta give a big congratulations to our friend andrew parks over at f apparel uh after being the proud father of two little girls andrew and his wife Lindsay just welcomed in a little boy to their growing family so congratulations from all your friends at winnipeg sports talk um, I'm sure there'll be baptisms and other events for the Parks family. We've all got them well. You need a suit that fits and looks great, and F Apparel's got you covered. Custom suits starting for just $400 and a great deal for your wedding party if you need to get all the fellas suited up for a big event this summer or into the future. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown or online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And heading into the weekend Maybe it's time to pop by our uh, one of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market locations for great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. 
not to mention delicious lunch options at their grab-and-go deli, including Vitamarket salad, soups, sandwiches, and more. Make sure to try that falafel salad, especially tasty. And if you're planning a big barbecue, hopefully later on this weekend, maybe not tonight, uh, check out their delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. And hey, if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven Winnipeg locations for Vita Health Fresh Market, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and you can check them out online and shop at myvita.ca. All right, we will get to the buffet, talk Jets, Barry Trotz, Stanley Cup playoffs, Ice Oil Kings with Ken Weeb coming up in a few minutes. Jack Finley from the Ice is also going to drop by the program. But first up, let's get the latest on the Canadian Football League, the deal with the players and training camp in the upcoming season with TSN Football Insider Dave Naylor. What's up, Nails? How are you? Hey, we won't be talking about negotiations unless this gets rejected, right? Like I, I look, and I don't think it's going to. But I'm not willing to, you know, count this one across the goal line until it actually gets there. And like, there is some uncertainty in the water here about whether this is going to get approved by the players. So, uh, look, I hope you're right. <laughs> We're not talking about this for a while. But in this case, uh, what is normally a formality may be a little more than that. So we'll see. Well, that sounds like news to me because, to be perfectly honest, I think uh, most of the uh, early uh, reactions to the deal was this was one. I mean, it was kudos to the CFLPA for sticking together and getting as good of a deal as we've seen in a long time. I mean, you've covered these negotiations uh, for many years. What did you make of uh, the back and forth between the two sides and uh, where they ended up coming to? Look, I think it's a very good deal for the players, and I think it's a very good deal for the Canadian Football League as a whole. And as I said before, allowing the players to make gains in several areas is not a loss for the CFL because the reputation of how this league treats its players matters. And there's a business interest here. You know, you're going to be recruiting players. You're in a competitive environment. You want players to say, yeah, in the CFL, you get treated well because you get this, 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 and they do this, this, and this for you. So I've kept, and, and I'll be honest, I've kept my opinions on the process along the way to myself. Okay. I was reporting on this process. Um, I think it's, it's, you got to be careful making opinions on proposals because that's part of the process. What somebody proposes is not necessarily what they want. It's also often a bargaining ploy. And, you know, because of my position in the league, I did not want to be influencing the opinions of players, uh, good or bad, on the process. So I kept my opinions really completely out of it while the process was on. Now that it's arrived at and they have a memorandum of understanding, that has been tentatively agreed to, I, I'm open to sharing my opinions. And I, and I do think this is a very good deal for the players. I mean, they've never had an opportunity to get a portion of their guarantee, their contracts guaranteed. They get that. You know, they've never had, I mean, the last two salary caps, I believe the prescribed increases were $50,000 a year. This is minimum 100. They haven't had revenue sharing. They got that. Uh, you know, there's they got extended health and safety. I mean, when you go through every category the needle moved in the direction of the players. And frankly, I didn't see that coming a year ago, you know, with the CFL fresh off a year with no season, about to head into another season of partial, reduced crowds, increased costs because of COVID. I thought, my God, I would not want to be the Players Association negotiating with this group of owners next spring on a new CBA. So I'm really surprised uh, that the owners didn't negotiate as like a group of people that were on their knees. Um, the players stood strong and there was a bit of a perfect storm, I think, to keep them resolved. I think they got a very good deal. Uh, and I would be 
I'm like you. I, I, when I first saw it, I never gave it any sense that this would have any danger of not being ratified by the players. But um, I would say, at least to this point, I, I still think it will. But I, I don't think it's the formality that that it's been in many instances in the past. And I don't know whether that has to do with the issues or whether that has to do with just kind of the the mood of standing up for themselves with the players. But you know, we'll find out soon enough. Well, Dave, it's funny you mentioned you kept your opinions to yourself. I, I'm sure you had one when we heard the reports of the first offer from the league that was a 10 year deal with no increases to the salary cap. Um, like, what was all that about? And how did they come from? certainly on the surface, what seemed like a ridiculous opening salvo from the league um, to a deal uh, this week. The only thing I would remind you of is we never saw any of the opening salvos from the players, right? <laughs> God, like, good point. This is that like ordinarily when the opening of bargaining happens, both sides put most ridiculous proposals out there that they know the other side is never going to accept. And therefore they get points just for taking it off the table. Okay. Because the proposal from the league to the players went out in a memo to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of players, that one ends up in the public's hands, okay? If the players made a proposal to the league and they share it among their nine teams, and, and more specifically, nine governors or nine presidents, not the whole organization, that one likely doesn't make it into the public's hands. So that's, that's why I'm always a little bit cautious about scoffing or criticizing one side for a ridiculous opening proposal until we see the other side's opening proposal. We never saw it. Okay. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, so I understand like kind of the strategy and why you do that. And I also understand even from the, the ratio perspective, right? Like their thing was no, like basically no guaranteed starting spots for Canadians, right? That was, we're going to have Canadians on the roster, but they're going to have to earn their way onto the field. Now, I don't think that's a ridiculous principle to begin with. And I think it sort of signaled to the, the players that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some measure where we're not trying to change the Canadians on the roster, the number of them on the roster, but we are looking to roll back the amount of guaranteed starting time they get. I think that's what that opening salvo said to me. And guess what we ended up with? Rolling back the guaranteed amount of starting time that they get. So I, I think it just always has to kind of be you know, viewed in the context of it. I, I think public relations wise, that was a bad look for the league. Uh, and I think the union knew that public relations wise, <laughs> it was going to be a bad look for the league, which was why they were probably not upset that it got into the public hands. Yeah, no, I think you're uh, you're bang on on that, Dave. TSN's football insider, Dave Naylor with us uh, discussing the CFL-CFL-PA uh, agreement and looking ahead to the season and a training camp. Just uh, while we're on the ratio, um, fill us in on where they came to, how it's different, and when we'll see that actually take effect on the field. Well, it doesn't happen until 2023, and this is the same thing in 2019 when they signed a deal. Anything that changed the nature of roster construction is a year away because teams need an offseason, obviously, to put that together. That's interesting because what was on the table on Sunday, Saturday, when it was rejected by the players, was basically six and one, right? So the ratio would be six true Canadians, one veteran American, at least uh, that time it was three teams, three seasons with the same team or four in the league. What they came out with is essentially five and a half. So the ratio actually got rolled back half from where it, when it was rejected by the players on Saturday, because you've got now seven Canadian starters, but up to three of those can lose 49% of their up to 49% of their snaps to a veteran American. So what you've basically done is enhance the value of veteran Americans, slightly diminish the value of Canadians in, gen in general, 
And you're going to allow coaches more of their own decision-making of who plays on the field when, and they are going to be less uh, you know, dictated to by the ratio. I don't think fans are going to notice a tremendous amount of difference in the game that way. You know, you're still going to have seven Canadians on the field most of the time, but not all of the time. There are going to be times when there's only four. So, you know, that's that's a significant rollback and how that factors in a lot of bonuses are done based on playtime. A lot of Canadian players certainly, you know, capitalized by having their playtime guaranteed to them. If you're a starter, that's no longer going to be the case. And look, I, I'd say that's kind of what I said earlier. I'm not deeply offended as a Canadian or as a fan of Canadian football that the league is going to require Canadian players to earn their place on the field a little more than has been in the past. I, I, that does not feel like an abomination to me. And I think when we recognize that American players, you know, by, you know we, like, let's talk about some of the dynamics that happen in this league. American players who are stars, in some cases, making less than Canadian backups. You know, that's because of the ratio. So I think what they're trying to do is balance that a little more and say, hey, this is the Canadian Football League, but half the, the membership of this league is American. And now, of course, half the leadership of the union is, is American because Solly Elamimian is the president of the union and Brian Ramsey is the executive director. And I'm not saying that because Brian's a Canadian, he thinks always in Canadian issues. And Solly, because he's an American, he only sees things from an American player's perspective. But I do think it's good to have that representation of both sides at the top of the union. And so ultimately... Yeah, this, at least on the ratio side, is a more favorable deal for American players than it is for Canadians. I still think Canadians have a more favorable situation in the league, but it moved the needle in the direction of the of the American players. And as I say, more significantly than what was rejected by the players on Saturday. So it looks like the players union was willing to sacrifice, you know, another half of the ratio for two reasons. One, they can still claim there's seven Canadian starters. And I think that was important to them. And two, you know, they got improvements in a number of other areas from where things sat on Saturday. Dave, I have to ask you this. I mean, listen, I watch all these games and go to the games. I'm never paying attention or counting the Canadians on the field or how many You are no one. No one is. Like, so what are the logistics in managing this? Like, who, how do we know who's had 49% of the snaps goes in? I mean, I, I can't even wrap my head around how that is logged and how you keep track of all of that well look it is disappointing to me that that this is going to be as complicated as it is because as a journalist it's very difficult to talk about like even with the veteran american thing last year i hated talking about that on our hits for tsn and tsn.ca and i would avoid it as much as possible because no one knew what i was talking about <laughs> right so now now can you imagine 49 percent like veteran americans three years five with five years in the league three with the same it's impossible to explain to the average fan. And that part of it, I do not like. Uh, the application of it and how it's actually going to, what it's going to result in, I, I, I'm better with. Um, but I don't know how they're going to do that. And Farhan Lalji and I have kind of stopped tweeting about how this is going to be administered because we're getting contradictory information from sides that swear they're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's so early days. We're just going to let the dust settle on this one a bit because they got a year to figure it out. Um, you know, Farhan's information is that it's going to be in game. You can't have a guy play more than 49% of those snaps in game. My information is it may be in segments of games, three game segments, four game segments. It certainly won't be for a whole season because they don't want coaches hoarding, you, you know, American player snaps for the final four games of the regular season. And you see all the Canadians take a bench when the games, you know, are the most important games of the year or anything. 
I think it may, so it's either, but, but to tell you, I understand and can explain to you how this is going to be done. No, I don't even know what method they're going to use because I say Farhan and I uh, just kept going back and forth and it was just like, okay, well, my sources are doubling down. Well, my sources are doubling down. Okay. Let's just, let's let this one just sit. And I'm sure in a few days it'll come out. I'm, I'm being very transparent with you about the reporting on this one, but I, I, occasionally we we get information that contradicts and when that happens and both sides insist they're right and there's no real way to resolve it we just kind of um take a knee in the end zone for a few well, days i guess I, on this one i mean i i totally get it and and i guess just the more i think about this i mean is every league or every team every building gonna have a guy you know you have capologists have with to. each well, team yeah, some guy but, that's just literally counting the players and making the next oh canadian canadians each snap uh, because it is thing- going to be impactful the only thing I can say to you is that I believe there is some accounting of this already because there are players bonus clauses that, you know, are based on the number of snaps they play in a season. So there has to be some way to administer this. Um, I, I like I already think even with the seven starting Canadians, it's amazing that, you know, that they can keep track when, you know, you've got guys running on and off the field after every play. You've got wholesale changes after every possession. Um, the fact that that doesn't become an issue more often, I honestly could count on one hand the number of times in my covering the CFL for as long as I have that, hey, so-and-so played with an improper ratio has actually come up. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen more often than we ever know, but it's, <laughs> you know, for something that's as fundamental to the league as it is, we hardly ever hear about it. Hey, Hustler, I'm, I can stay with you, but I'm going to have to put my phone down on its charger or we're going to lose some battery power. So my voice will stay with you. My face is going to go away which is probably a good thing for all your viewers. So here we go. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Hit that okay. up and remember if you want to change that. We're with Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider. So Dave, we've got the deal. I guess just one more on the deal. Yeah. You mentioned, I mean, this is big for the Canadian Football League. It's big for the players. Um, how much of a, it does seem like there's some pretty significant give backs from the league. We've always heard how cash poor the league has been. Can they afford this? And assume that, that assuming that they can, how much of a positive is that uh, we won't be talking about this for a minimum of five years till the TSN deals up? You know, I think everything that that leagues, you know, when they are when they're dealing with sponsors or partners or talking about expansion or stadium construction or anything. OK, and I'm not talking this is not exclusive to the CFL. All the one of the things they want to be able to say to whoever they're dealing with, whatever stakeholder it is, and say, oh, and by the way, we have five years, seven years of labor peace. You're not going to be interrupted by that. We know our costs. We know we don't, we're not going to miss the start of a season or miss a season. Labor is not an issue. You don't have to worry about it. Okay, That's why leagues want long terms on these deals, besides the fact of how my, you know, the CFL having done a negotiation in 19, 20, 21, and 22 because of the pandemic and the need to redo aspects of the CBA on that. So those are the two reasons, and I think it's very good for it. You know, Now, can they afford it? Like I said, I, I you know, the CFL has a very, very wealthy group of owners among its six private owners. They didn't get wealthy because of their CFL teams, okay? But that doesn't mean that they can't reach into their personal wealth to fund these teams, although that's not necessarily a great business model. As I've said many times, philanthropy is not a great business model because when owners get tired of subsidizing their teams, there's not always somebody standing behind them saying, oh, oh, my turn, my turn. I want to burn you know, a million or two a year to keep a team in the CFL going. So 
you know, that, that's why when player, when I see fans, they think, why don't they just raise the cap to 8 million? Or why don't they make the minimum salary a hundred thousand dollars? Because you deepen your losses. Eventually you get tired of doing it. And if you create an unsustainable business, there's no one to take over for you. That's why that doesn't happen. So it is important that while the players get some gains, that the league still has a viable business model because ultimately you need people that want to own your teams and invest in them and see the future. The hundred thousand dollars up a year on the cap, you know, is I think, again, all you can really do is compare a CBA. You can't compare it to baseball CBA or the NFL CBA or anybody else. All you can really do is compare it to previous CBAs. And when you put this CBA like put it past uh, next to the one from 2019. That one had $50,000 increases in the salary cap and no revenue sharing. This one has $100,000 increases in the salary cap and revenue sharing. You can debate about whether revenue sharing is going to be meaningful or not. I don't have the background to be able to tell you. Really, I think that's part of the disagreement is that, and the mistrust is, is this actually going to net us anything or is this just a bunch of numbers on paper? The, the league says if we're prosperous, the players will share in it. The only way to know for sure is to let the deal play out, and that's what we're about to do, hopefully. Dave, before we go, uh, let's talk about the actual three-down game. Now the camps are back. Are the Bombers the team to beat still in your mind? And uh, what are the biggest training camp stories uh, outside of Winnipeg that you're paying attention to this uh, for the next few weeks? Yeah, I think they have to be. I think given the way they're back-to-back Grey Cup champions, the way they won last year, you know, dominating you know, basically everybody until the playoffs – and the fact that they've managed to keep the, you know, most of their core together. Uh, you know, they didn't do much in free agency other than Greg Ellingson, but that's not a bad pickup as it is. And, you know, we understand why there aren't a bunch of great new additions in, in Winnipeg. A, they have no money. B, they aren't looking to change things up. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm at Argos camp today. I'm just speaking to you from the parking lot at the University of Guelph. And, you know, you, you look at that team and you see, uh, you know, there's Andrew Harris, you know, and there's Speedy Banks. And, you know, they brought in some guys. They had a very good defensive line last year, and they brought in some other guys, you know, to add to that. Uh, there's there's a number of vets here that have, have pretty impressive NFL resumes, and we know sometimes that turns into a great player and sometimes that turns into a guy who gets cut by Thursday, depending on, you know, what kind of shape mentally and physically they show up in. Um, but that's, you know, I, I think people forget the Argonauts were a first-place team last year. And, you know, they've, they've really, you know, I think they're a team to watch. I mean, Hamilton having gone to back-to-back great cups and now Dane Evans getting full control of that team. You know, I describe Ottawa as a team that looks like it was put together from the most favorable expansion draft in the history of sports. I mean, it's, it's like an expansion team, except everybody's good. <laughs> like that's, you know, they should be good. Um, you know, I think, I think again, you know, the East is going to be strong. This looks to me like the strongest year in the East that I've seen for a long time. The teams that I have the real question marks about, I, I guess I would say you know, Edmonton and BC Edmonton, just because the quarterback situation is not settled. Anytime you go into a training camp and you don't know who your starting quarterback is going to be, I think that's a major kind of minus for a team just in terms of, you know, it's evolution, it's identity, those kind of things. Doesn't mean they can't be great partway through the season, but I, you know, history would tell you that when a when a CFL team goes to camp and doesn't know who its quarterback is going to be, you know, that's a that's a red flag for, you know, that they they've got that basically, you know, you look at that team and, and you judge them differently until they do get that settled. Uh, and the other one is BC. And I, I'm not trying to be anti-Canadian here at all, but let's just go on on experience. They're going to start a quarterback, Nathan Rourke. You know, he's got two starts on his resume. And and I, I cannot think of another quarterback of any nationality 
who has ever anointed a starting quarterback of a CFL team with two starts based on his resume. Okay. The backup to him, if it's Michael O'Connor, has no starts on his resume. If it's Isaac Harker, he's got what, two, I think. So, like your your quarterback depth chart, you know, is going to be starting Canadian quarterback and potentially a backup Canadian quarterback. But if Nathan Rourke is the quarterback of that team, I cannot think of many instances where a CFL team has anointed a guy their starter based on two starts. Um, I have not think of many opportunities where they would back up a player who has back him up with a player who has no starts, Michael O'Connor or Isaac Harker, who has two. Again, take nationality out of it. Take all the intangibles that Nathan Rourke demonstrates every day he goes to practice. I'm not debating any of that. I hope he's great. I think he has a chance to be a really successful quarterback. But opening a CFL season with that degree of experience among your quarterbacks, I have never seen before. So when I haven't seen something before, I always wait to be see it proven. And that's where I am on the BC line. And they spent a lot of money on weapons, but uh, now it's time for the quarterbacks to get it done. Hey, very quickly on the way out, uh, if you had to put a nickel on who is behind center game number one for Chris Jones in Edmonton, who gets the start? I, I mean, I think it might be Nick Arbuckle because he's still there and he has the most experience, you know? And, and I think if it's close, generally, you will go with the guy who has the most experience and then challenge him to compete to keep his job. So it, that's that's what I think. If, you know, again, I, I I wouldn't guess right now if I didn't have to. But since you asked me to, <laughs> that that would be my guess. Uh, but I, it's you know, it's not very often we've seen this type of situation where they've basically said, um, you know, and look, let's be let's be honest about this. Nick Arbuckle is a re-signing held over from Brock Sunderland, uh, even though Chris Jones had to redo the contract and give him a $100,000 bonus in January. That was because of a promise made to Nick Arbuckle from the previous administration because there was a lack of clarity about whether the league was going to allow signing bonuses. If the league was going to allow signing bonuses, the Elks made a promise that they would redo his deal in January with a signing bonus. Turns out the league did allow signing bonuses. The Elks made good on their promise. Nick Arbuckle has an opportunity in Edmonton, but he's going to have to earn it. Nails, I cannot wait to get going. We've got to wait a little longer for the preseason to start, but we will have a football game here a week today at IG Field and then uh, kick off about three weeks away. Looking forward to talking to you all season long. Keep up the great work at TSN. Say hi to Farhan, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. See you later. All right, great stuff with our guy, Nails. Cannot wait for Canadian Football League kickoff. And, of course, a week today, Bombers, Elks, preseason action over at IG Field. Um, I just got a note from my folks who are heading out to the lake on the weekend. Smart, getting ready for the entire summer. Big, big order from our friends at Culligan Water. So they've got the good stuff for the entire summer. My dad says it makes the best ice. Longtime customers, and I know Remus as well. And Ken Weeb is uh, getting the, uh, the draining the Culligan tanks as we speak, getting ready for both the buffet and a visit with us here on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, whatever your water needs, our Culligans got you covered. They've been the go-to folks in the water game for over 65 here, five years here in Winnipeg. Give them a call at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180 or drink culligan.com for all of your water needs uh hey you know this might be a good weekend to uh take care of some of those projects or maybe just preparation 
for what we hope we'd be doing this weekend, and that'd be kind of really enjoying the spring into the summer. Um, bottom line is you're going to need batteries for all the toys this summer, whether you're working on a hot rod, you got a golf cart, a boat, whatever it is, Manitoba Batteries got you covered. You'll shop local. You'll save money over Costco and the, the uh, Canadian Tire and the big, uh, big box stores. And uh, you'll save time as well. And uh, maybe gas when you don't have to go all the way to Costco because they'll deliver it to you as well. Give them a call, 783-8787. Let them know what you're looking for. You can certainly come by and pick it up. They'll have it ready for you with their extended spring and summer hours up until 8 p.m. Or find out more online at manitobabattery.com for all of your battery needs. And, of course, they're over at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, uh, Big weekend, great time to pop over and see our friends at Royal Sports for whatever you need. They've always been the go-to guys as the biggest hockey superstore in the city. Uh, but now with soccer, baseball, softball starting, Royal Sports is your headquarters for the best and newest equipment for all of those sports. They've got a new expanded fitness section as well. And for those of you thinking about a new whip, not a car, a bike, Royal Sports is Big uh, bike sex selection continues to grow by the week. Pop down and see him at 750 Pemina Highway. And while you're there, check out the best selection of licensed merchandise around as well. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. All right, we've got lots to get to with Kenny Wee. We will get the latest update on Barry Trotz watch. We'll talk some Stanley Cup playoffs, and we'll also talk a little Winnipeg Ice and Edmonton Oil Kings. And for those of you fired up for the series and the two games this weekend, Jack Finley joining us a little bit later on. And don't forget, Kenny and Rennie live 5 p.m. setting up round three, the collision course between the ice and the oil kings. We'll get to all of that, and we welcome in Weeb's world himself. Kenny, what's what's going on? Drink up. <laughs> Hustler, uh, no title belt for the reclaiming of the golf uh, media division, but uh, this is this is better than a belt right here. Winnipeg <laughs> Sports Talk hoodie. Uh, figured it was time to uh, get that represented here uh, with the show. Great well, to be you're, with you. Uh, how's your Friday so you're far? You're looking great, like a million U.S. tax-free, especially <laughs> in that hoodie. And, uh, yes, congratulations on reclaiming the belt. Uh, it was a uh, it was a short time in the possession of Billick, but you're you're once again on top of the mountain as Mike McIntyre disclosed to us with the big win earlier this week. Listen, there's a lot I want to get to with you, and I do want to get your thoughts on uh, the ice ahead of your show, uh, getting ready for round three a little later on, as well as the playoffs. I know you're covering that Abs Blues series for Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Uh, but let's get to Trot's watch right away. We're hearing a number. It was interesting. The, you know, first it was described as an interview. Then it was described by Darren Drager as something a little more informal. But the bottom line is Kevin Sheveldayoff was not talking about making tea times with Barry Trotz. It was about a very important opening here with the Winnipeg yeah. Jets. And then we thought that he was meeting with Philly today. That didn't happen. But as we've heard Nick Kiprio saying, that there could be upwards of half a dozen teams that are interested in Barry Trotz's service. Listen, I know you've been on this. You've been uh, working the phones all week. Uh, where are things at right now? And uh, what are you hearing in particular about the Jets' chances of bringing Barry Trotz home? Yeah, Hassa, obviously everyone is watching intently this here. Obviously you mentioned the uh, the two reports from the week. Uh, Darren talking on the roundtable there about the uh, meeting which took place in Nashville uh, with Barry Trotz and Kevin Cheveldayoff. Um, 
Obviously, it's important that the Jets were able to get him to the table, Huss. I think that is something that, especially when we had heard that the potential for Barry Trotz to be looking at a potential management uh, position or a transition to management at some point. Let's just put it this way. Barry Trotz isn't just taking interviews for the sake of taking interviews. And if he wasn't interested in the Winnipeg Jets opening, even though obviously we know there was an element of Trotz interviewing the Jets and trying to find out what he would like to hear about their vision, uh, the fact that he got to the table was important. Uh, will that six potential $6 million price tag scare the Jets away? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, that's a that's a big number for, uh, you know, whether it's a player or a coach. But you and I have discussed this before. This is an investment in the brand at a critical time for the organization. I don't think they'd be scared away from that number, even though we know it's a very large number. Uh, but to me, obviously, there will be other teams that are probably willing to go to that number as well. So, I mean, we knew from the very beginning there's going to be competition for Barry Trotz's services. But the fact that the Jets got him to the table, I think, was an important first step. Uh, and the fact that the Jets didn't lock this down in one meeting with, uh, as Darren uh, pointed out, p- pushing the envelope across the table, that should surprise no one. I mean, Gerard Gallant is a great example. Someone else pointed out on Twitter today. Gerard didn't just take the first interview and sign the contract immediately. He met with a couple other teams. This is standard operating procedure. Because Huss, even, even, you know, even if the Jets are at the top of Barry's list, he's doing his due diligence. All of a sudden, he may find out something about an organiza- another organization that piques his interest. But to me, when we look, about, look at the roster the Jets have and the issues that they need to clean up uh, in terms of accountability and structure, Barry Trotz is still at the top of the Winnipeg Jets list, no matter what the price tag is. He has been at the top of the list from the beginning. That's not to say there aren't other quality candidates out there. And there are. There are plenty of great candidates out there. But uh, where this goes in the next little bit, I mean, I think it's probably going to be at least a week before Barry decides. And the other thing people should know also, the fact that Barry's not meeting with Philadelphia today, I don't think is a is a notch against them either. I think uh, Jeff Merrick, my colleague on his show this morning, also was reporting that that meeting is still expected to happen. It's just not happening today. So uh, there'll be other meetings scheduled, and and then we'll kind of get a sense of, from the very beginning, Huss, this is what we know. Barry Trotz is going to coach where Barry Trotz wants to coach. So that still could potentially include Winnipeg, I think, uh, even after all of the developments over the last week here. Kipper mentioned there could be six to seven teams in the mix. I mean, we were just sort of speculating. You got Winnipeg, you've got Philadelphia, Vegas has a new opening, you got the Detroit Red Wings. I don't think Montreal's really there. I assume that Marty St. Louis is coming back. I mean, uh, and now I guess with the opening in Dallas, Dallas, I'm sure, would be picking up the phone to Barry Trotz. Is there a team or or two that we're not mentioning that – you know, maybe has a coach right now, or you think that could be lurking in the weeds? Sure, and I think, uh, you know, I have to give uh, you know props to Stephen Wino. He was kind of first on the Florida Panthers train, uh, and that's not a knock on Andrew Burnett, who I think has done an excellent job with the Florida Panthers under incredibly tough circumstances. But if you're the Florida Panthers, and perhaps you get bounced or even swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, suddenly Barry Trotz's availability may force management and ownership to take a look at Barry Trotz there as well. So that's the other part. I, I think that that the other so teams, Barry's going to be patient because not all the, the carousel's not done spinning yet, Huss is maybe how I would describe it. Uh, we know that Sheldon Keefe got an endorsement from Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, uh, but, but, you know, Florida, and let's not kid ourselves. Florida could come back and win the series, and then maybe this discussion isn't happening. But uh, I would say Florida is probably one of those uh, situations that are probably you know up in the air, perhaps. 
Um, from a Jets perspective, and I think they would probably wait as long as it takes if they thought that they were going to get Barry Trotz, but ideally, yeah. how soon would they like to have their head coach? And how important is it considering the huge organizational decisions that you'd probably like to have your new head coach on board with that need to be made? For sure, Huss. So would the Jets like to have this done in June? Absolutely. But to me, they need to have it done, you know, middle of June first week of July, kind of at the latest before the draft. And that's not to say the coach is influencing the draft, but the coach is going to influence free agency specifically and the trades that lead up to the week of the draft uh, probably as well. So, uh, you know, would they like to have it earlier in June? For sure. But to me, you know, as long as it's happening by the middle of June, there's still almost a month to get your structure together in terms of uh, what your plan or vision for free agency and potential trades would be. And as we've talked about before, I mean, if Barry Trotz or whoever takes the job gets the job, there are going to be meetings with a couple of critical pieces on this current roster that need to be held as well before you maybe have that vision cemented in terms of what the Jets would want to do either in free agency or trade. Well, I assume you're speaking about a guy like Mark Shifley. Do you actually think that that would happen? Or I, I, I'm so torn on this. I mean, my opinion on this has been pretty clear. We've talked about yep. it for the last six months and sort of, you know, where the organization is, the value of Shifley right now, what a move would make. But let's just say that Barry Trotz is the coach. Do you think that he does sit down? I mean, do they make another crack at trying to see if they can maybe salvage this with Shifley before they go to make a move? Or... You sort of on the, where Darren Drager was saying that um, you know last week that he doesn't see a scenario where Shifley's on the Winnipeg Jets next year. Where are you right now? Yeah, I'll say, I think I'm still in the same position I've always been. I think it's probably unlikely that Mark Shifley is back with the Winnipeg Jets, but it's not to say that the Jets and Mark Shifley have reached the point of no return. And Stranger depend- things have happened. I'll say that. Well, much. I mean, the other thing too is you don't you don't know how Mark fe- Mark's the only one who knows how Mark feels about who the next coach is going to be, whoever it's going to be, and whenever it's announced. Do I you mean, think that matters to uh, Jets management? Um, I think it matters to a degree for sure. Uh, this has been the f- essentially Mark and Blake Wheeler have been the face of the franchise since 2011. So. Uh, the those opinions still count uh do i think that it's still likely that a divorce is coming yes but um that's the other part about the meeting you know between trots and shovel day off i mean we know that that had to be a conversation that that was brought up right i mean well how does barry feel about potentially coaching mark and the one kind of curveball to the whole scenario that some people may forget and it it may not have anything to do with it whatsoever, but Barry took over from Adam Oates in Washington. I mean, is there, you know, we know that Adam Oates has the ear of Mark Shifley. I mean, how does Adam feel about that? And how does Mark feel about that? I mean, uh, those are all things uh, that are, you know, kind of ancillary parts of the equation. I don't think they're the front burner issues by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, I think they probably reached the point where both sides would benefit from a change of scenery. Uh, there's all kinds of other options. I mean, we know that there's tons of talk out of Toronto about, well, now what, you know, Kyle didn't mention the core four this time. Uh, could, you know, would Mark Shifley be in play there? I mean, and colleague Elliot Friedman talked about, you know, maybe the Leafs need to consider moving Tavares onto the wing, but maybe still take face-offs. I mean, could you see Mark Shifley playing on a line with John Tavares? I mean, could you see him playing on a line with Austin Matthews like he did at the World Cup for Team North America? I mean, the Leafs need, I mean, they have a lot of offense, but 
I mean, maybe that's a situation that, uh, you know, would have some appeal to Mark as well. I mean, but we know he was a Red Wings fan growing up, not a Leafs fan, even though he's from Ontario. Um, but it, it, a lot of people would, you know, make the joke saying, you know, what's better than beating the Leafs? Well, how about joining the Leafs in a trade? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's going to be, like we said, I mean, there's there's a lot of twists and turns to come. I mean, New York Rangers, I think, played well for the first two periods against Carolina. But I mean, if they lose a round two and Ryan Strom doesn't re-sign and maybe Andrew Kopp goes elsewhere, I mean, the New York Rangers are a team that we know uh, has had some interest in Mark Scheifele before, and they might have actually even tried to pick him up at the deadline, I think. But, uh, uh, well, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns to come, and that's the one thing that we know. The thing that the thing that's rough about uh, either covering a team or those people that are in Jets Nation, five months between games is an awfully long time. So, And it's also natural to for those people, you know, especially seeing how the Jets season kind of went off the rails, they want answers yesterday, not tomorrow, right? So uh, I think that's the perspective in terms of timing. I think we need to keep that uh, sort of got to remember it's still May. There's still two and a half rounds of playoffs to to be played. But uh, I do think it'll be there will be interesting decisions to come and they'll be coming sooner than later. But I don't think they're imminent on any of those fronts, to be yeah, honest. Just as far as Shifley and a potential deal and the yep. return. And we've talked about this before. I mean, if you're Kevin Day off, what you're looking to get back I do wonder if, in your opinion, that it, it changes at all depending on who the ne- next head coach is, and specifically Barry Trotz. I mean, he has a track record of playing a certain style with a certain kind of player that, you know, you would think, you know, if you knew that Barry Trotz, for instance, was going to be your head coach, I would think that that would play into what you're looking at coming back. And um, I'm just interested in your thoughts on, you know, right now, whether that's changed at all as far as, I mean, this team's not looking to blow it up. They want to be competitive next year. But the return for a Mark Shifley and the kind of team and package that comes back, how that would relate to whoever the new bench boss is in Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, it's related to a degree, Huss, but I think it's more related to the team and the team needs. I mean, we've talked about this before. The Jets are looking for someone in a similar position as them, right? Someone who is looking to change their culture, maybe change the leadership group, but needs offense, right? But not a lot of the teams that are knocking on the door are willing to trade a core piece back unless they're rebuilding, right? And they're, you're not getting Mark Shifley for a rebuild because you only have the two years of his contract available. So to me... You know, Boston's another team now, too, with them getting bounced. I mean, if Bergeron's not back, does Mark Scheifele make sense there? And then now do we go back to maybe Jake DeBrusque is back on the table? Sure, the Bruins praised Jake DeBrusque for how he handled his situation, but he hasn't rescinded his trade request, right? So could Scheifele fit on a line with Taylor Hall? Absolutely. You know, now you then you have Pasta and Marchand with somebody else. I mean, or maybe you have Scheifele with them. I mean... There's lots of teams. There's lots of teams that are just going through the you know the wreckage, if you will. Huss. I mean, a team like Dallas. Dallas doesn't sc- score nearly enough. They're a one-line hockey team. But is there a fit where the pieces coming back would work? That I don't know. But what I know is that the Jets will probably be looking for a combination of, you know, they want present assets, but they wouldn't mind a future asset, but not a future asset for five years down the road. They need someone that's kind of on the verge of being ready to play now. And they also could be looking at it in terms of a larger deal house. We've talked about this for weeks as well. The Jets need to change the composition of the back end. So maybe if you're trading Mark Scheifele, maybe that team has to take one of the defensemen that have a larger scale contract 
in order to make it work for the Jets to clear out the uh, you know space required. And I don't mean cap space, I mean space required. The other part too, I mean, is there appeal of trading one of the, you know, we talked about the five Jets defense prospects. There's not room for all of them. You know, maybe one of them is included in the deal. Not I'm not, I'm not saying the high, high-end guys, but the second tier guys who are also close. I mean, you talked about it with guys who follow the moose a lot more closely. I mean, Leon Gavonk is a guy we almost never talk about, but he had an unreal playoff and he had another great season and now he's at the world championship. I mean, if there's not room for the Jets for Gavonka, right shot D are in demand, right? So, uh, you know, he could be a guy that's, you know, under consideration. And maybe and Declan Chisholm could be in that same boat where he's either going to be pushing for a spot. But the thing with Chisholm is he's not, you know, he's still waivers exempt, whereas Gavonka, I think, is no longer exempt from waivers. So uh, a, a lot of a lot of things on the go. But I don't think this is, like, the Jets aren't going to just give away Mark Shifley nor are they going to demand a King's ransom if they want to move him. They're going to try to do the best they possibly can, but the Jets are clearly going in for a retool and not a rebuild. And I've seen all kinds of suggestions about, you know, this and that, and no Jets should be tanking. The Jets are not going to be, and anyone who thinks the Jets are tanking, stop thinking the Jets will be tanking. After a year of zero sellouts, the Jets are not going to say, hey, you know what we'd really love for you to do, fan base? Be more patient. Let's wait. Let's see if something might happen in three or four years from now. That's not happening. That's a straight-up wake-up situation, us. There is no way that that is happening here. Under any circumstances, doesn't matter who's coaching, it doesn't matter who's traded, the Jets are not suddenly going to reverse course and trade all the players that they thought the window was being built with to begin with. They may be moving one or two of those players. They're not moving all three, nor are they you know, going to say, ah, oh, well, you know, it's not looking great right now on the Pierre-Luc Dubois front, so you know what, how about wholesale changes for everybody, uh, see in five years. I mean, it, there is no chance of that happening. Zero, not one, not point one, zero percent chance. Yeah, good. I, I'd rather not be talking about the lottery simulator at this point next season. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> or in October, uh, you don't want to be talking about the simulator in October? No, definitely oh, man. not. How many more losses till the Jets can potentially <laughs> get the ping pong balls to get Connor Bedard? Come on now. Um, Let's go. Hey, hey, just before we move on from this, I we had an interesting conversation with Dennis Bernstein yesterday in LA. And the Kings are a team when we're talking about Mark Shifley that yes, I think that there would be a fit. Now, listen, I haven't seen enough of Quinton Byfield. I mean, I know that he was, you know, a number two, two overall pick. He plays center. He's a big body in the middle. Certainly not, you know, anywhere close to the production of Shifley at this point. But he would be an interesting name, but I guess just your thoughts on a potential fit in LA. And the fact of the matter is if I'm the Kings and I bring a guy into play for a couple years because it's LA, I probably have more confidence that we might be able to keep that guy around beyond those two years than maybe some other spots in the National Hockey League. What do you think about a potential fit in uh, the crypto.com arena for <laughs> 55? And what when you look at the Kings roster, what interests you about a potential return? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, we, we've whenever we talk about Mark Shifley, uh, naturally the conversation leads to statues, and we know there's a bunch of nice statues outside of Crypto.com Arena. Statues, um, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Magic and Kareem, uh, and, uh, and the great one uh, specifically. But uh, uh, there's some interest to me, Hussey, if we're talking about the California teams, I, 
I think that in a lot of ways, Anaheim might make more sense, um, you know, with a male Mason McTavish or someone like that. But it all depends on the direction. Like the talk in Anaheim is, is John Gibson going to be part of the, you know, things going forward? I mean, there've been some, some talk on that front in terms of LA uh, super interesting because of two things. They have some really interesting pieces on the back end who really kind of emerged this year, Huss, because Drew Doughty was out for so long and because uh, Waugh was out um, and even Mikey Anderson missed some time. So there would be some interest. Uh, Byfield is a super intriguing prospect. Is he far enough along that the Jets would feel comfortable with him as the number two center? I mean, or maybe now we're back to talking about Paul Stastny. Maybe Paul Stastny's back for one more year on a on a bridge kind of scenario in order to kind of lay, lay the groundwork for Byfield eventually taking over or Perfetti if they move him back from the wing to center. Um, could I see a fit for sure? It would be incredibly intriguing because Todd, Todd McClellan uh, delivers many of the same principles, Huss, as Barry Trotz in terms of accountability and structure. So is Mark on board with accountability and structure? That's another big thing as well. I mean, uh, we know the Kings are a good team. We know that, you know, part of the reason that Mark, uh, you know, maybe his situation didn't become as desirable as he once thought it was going to be was because he wants to be in a big market and have opportunity, more opportunities for endorsements um, as well. So, I mean, would the glitz and glamour of LA appeal to Mark Shifley? Probably. Um, you know, much like the Rangers when I mentioned, I mean, those two cities would be fascinating for him to watch to see where he fits in and, and to see how he would fare underneath that structure of a Gerard Gallant or a Todd McClellan. So um, yeah, it's super interesting on a lot of fronts. Us. I mean, uh, that's a long winded way at the buffet of saying, I would say that the Kings would be on the list. Uh, you know, Carolina could be on the list. Vinny Trocek is a UFA, I believe, uh, you know, Mark, Mark's contract would be appealing to, to Carolina, a team that doesn't want to pay anybody really 10 or $11 million, but they, they're a team that sometimes doesn't have as much offense uh, being contributed uh, when it counts. And man, you know, even though they rallied nicely against the Rangers, they're looking at potentially, even if they win the series, you're looking at Tampa or Florida. I mean, you know, Carolina has been a team that's been knocking on the door here, Huss, but they haven't been able to kick it down. So, I mean, maybe there's some appeal. Maybe they think, you know, let's not forget the Rod Brindamore connection, right? I mean, Paul Maurice had Rod Brindamore on his staff as an assistant. So, uh, we know how much Paul Maurice valued Mark Shifley during his time here. I mean, getting the buy-in from Rod Brindamore, you know, that could be a factor as well. And I think that that there'd be uh, some appeal to that situation for him as well. You know, it's it's fascinating that you mentioned that. I mean, for the longest time, I would agree. I do wonder with the way and the circumstances that Maurice left, sure. if he still feels the same way about key players and particularly Mark. I have no idea, but it is interesting something to it to talk about. Anyway, no, we could chop – sorry, go ahead if you just want Just a quick one. I, what I mean – no, I think that I don't think it was as smooth sailing at the end as it was at the beginning or, you know, in the middle when they sort of you took don't the mantle. Say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do say. But uh, – and that's the other part too. It's sort of, you know, the other thing people are naturally thinking about too. Well, what about Pete DeBoer? Well, I mean, Paul and Peter best friends. I mean – does that make it more appealing for Pete DeBoer or less appealing if Mark Shifley is here, right? I mean, we know those two guys are talking fairly regularly. So uh, that's another layer of intrigue, uh, depending on how the coaching search goes. And and there's going to be other candidates. I mean, Rick Talkett is going to be out there. I mean, Rick's a great candidate. There's kind of under-the-radar candidates everywhere, you know, whether it's, uh, 
you know, a Nate Lehman or, uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of people that, you know, Derek Lalonde is on this lightning staff. He's generating a lot of buzz. I mean, and Travis Green, I think, is someone I mentioned before. Like Travis is in a is in an interesting spot. Like much like a lot of head coaches, Travis Green's going to be better in his next job, no matter which team he's coaching. I mean, whether that's Vegas or someone else that comes onto the radar. I mean, and you know, it'll just be interesting to see where a lot of these guys land. But we say this every year, Hus. There's more coaches available than chairs available in this game of musical chairs. So. You know, how patient are guys going to be? Now we know Rick Bonus is out officially in Dallas. He's got a couple assistants on his staff that are intriguing, whether that's, you know, Todd Nelson, uh, John Stevens, or even Manit- uh, Manitoba Derek Laxtall. I haven't seen what his status was, but, uh, you know, he's a guy who had great success in the American League with the Texas Stars. And I know he coached Rope Hints and a lot of those guys going up. So don't mention uh, any of those guys' names to me until we find out what happens with Perry Trotz. <laughs> then we'll have that conversation. Sorry, I wasn't trying and, to go into the plan B, but people are asking, right? So oh, I mean, for sure. that, no, and Pascal Vincent. I mean, for all the people saying, oh, well, the, the whole new voice and, oh, he was on Maurice's staff. I mean, he's also six years removed from Paul Maurice's staff, five years running his own team and one year as an associate where he nearly got the head job. So um there's lots of there's lots of intrigue to come but Huss, i mean we know the, what the facts are the facts are the jets number one choice is none other than barry trotz now they're going to need to find out if the jets are barry trotz's number one choice for barry trotz uh, can we with us make sure you're following on twitter at weaves world and check out his uh work covering the normally the jets but also the nhl at sportsnet.ca you are uh, on the grind for the avalanche blues series Man, I was getting some 2019 vibes last night from the way Bennington was playing. What a huge win for St. Louis to uh, get back in this and steal home ice back from the number one team in the West. Yeah, massive awesome. Man, I wish I was in that arena. It looked like the atmosphere had just been so festive in the first, even even in the loss. Like, it's just been bonkers in Ball Arena all year long. And I would love to be strolling down the streets of St. Louis where they still play Gloria at every single chance that they can get. Um, as I wrote, master class from Craig Berube. Uh, in the last two days, even after game one, where they were thoroughly dominated in the to the tune of 106 to 45 shot attempts, um, he knew exactly what the problems were. Stop flipping the puck out into the neutral zone and letting the high flying avalanche attack you with so much speed that you're just hoping it's on the roller coaster. You're just hanging on for dear life. Um, I love the I love the line tweaks. I love the timeout call for the five on three. I love the aggression of putting Pavel Bushnevich on a five man forward group uh, instead of Scott Perunovich, who again we know he's a power play specialist, but he's a young guy who's who's got limited experience. I mean, and let's not kid ourselves. Ryan O'Reilly, absolute beast in this series, but David Perron, ageless wonder. This guy. He came back to St. Louis for a third time and he became one of their most important Amazing. players. Like this guy, you know, in game one, David didn't have his legs, much like most players on the Blues, not named Ryan O'Reilly. But in game two, he was all over the map, accidentally and purposely landing on Darcy Kemper early, blocking shots, you know, rubbing, getting involved in scrums, chip plays off the boards getting open for one T clappers. I mean, David Perron is everywhere in that game, but a, a couple other things that I loved Braden Shen moving back to center Hus. He was very, you know, he had an assist on the first goal, but very ineffective in game one. Uh, didn't have his legs, not as physical, you know, the, the low sticking penalty. I mean, you can take it or leave it on that one, but 
you know, they got him back on a line with the guy who was, you know, him and Tarasenko had great success in 2019. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, you know, excel together. So, like, we talk about coaching, and, and sometimes I think it's kind of overblown, you know. I think a lot of it has to do with execution. But Craig Berube pushed all the right buttons in terms of his lineup for game two. He resisted the urge to go back to 12 and 6. He rolled with his 11 and 7. But the most important thing for me with the Blues was their demeanor, Huss. They knew they got their behinds kicked in game one, and they knew exactly what they had to do to fix it, and then they went out and fixed it. But it was calm, composed, and Craig didn't freak out, but he also didn't run away from what the problems his team were facing were. So I I love the way that he coaches. I was around him in the early 2012 or 13 when he was still with the Flyers, and they had that great seven-game series against the Rangers. And just the way that he handles and conducts his business – and there's no surprise that they're playing the Avalanche tough. And now it's up to the Avalanche to see if they can respond. And that's exactly what the message from Jared Bednar postgame uh, after game two was as well. Well, I, I'm really interested to see what happens going back to St. Louis. I did have a, a ticket of, to uh, get get to get to six games. I mean, I did okay. think that this would be different than a sweep beforehand and obviously a huge win last night. I mean, uh, one win will get that. Yep. And I'll tell you what, the St. Louis Blues, if they can get this series to six and then to seven games, um, you know, as we've seen, that is going to be a tough team to kill at the end. Speaking of tough teams to kill, the Tampa Bay Lightning are that team. Um, you know, we spoke yesterday that in some ways that should have been game seven type desperation from the Florida Panthers, knowing what awaits them if they go down to nothing. Well, what, two seconds left? Kucherov strikes again to Colton. It's two zip. Uh, are we going to be uh, are we going to be writing eulogies about the Panthers in four or five days? What do you make of the battle of the Sunshine State? Yeah, that was a uh, shot to the solar plexus for sure. Um, I'm still trying to figure out where Mackenzie Weger. Just there was not enough awareness on that ship. Plus, you got to know what the time is. I mean, Gustav Forzing was already on the post. Nikita Kucherov, as great as he is, Hus was the least dangerous player on the ice with his back turned to the play and the puck behind the net. For me, if Weger is going to go in that situation, and he shouldn't have gone. He's got to A, have his stick on the ice, and B, close the five hole. Because the pass was absolutely, you know, Sean Reynolds and I were discussing this. That's He's playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. But if Mackenzie Weger holds his position, there's no easy lane to Ross Colton. There's no shot on goal. So to me, that's just a structural breakdown that you cannot have. The Panthers played well. They played a smart game up until that point. Their power play once again let them down. I think oh for the playoffs, which is crazy when you consider the seasons that Huberto and Barkov have had. But they're they just have been getting lost in in the defensive zone at times, and that's been absolutely crushing for them. Um, Bobrovsky was you know better in game two than he was in game one, uh, but still you know Vasilevsky's the guy getting the job done. And now here's the thing for us: we know all about the stats about rebounding after losses. The Florida Panthers have left themselves almost zero margin for error. They need to win four to five against a guy that almost never loses two straight. So um, they're going to have to play with a, a much higher level of desperation. They miss Mason Marchment up front. I mean, we saw Mason Marchment's breakout game was against the Manitoba, or sorry, Manitoba Moose, uh, Winnipeg Jets. Um, they need more from their high-end players, and they're not getting it right now. And the and the Lightning are playing like champions. There's no doubt about it. The guys that lead them 
Uh, so if I told you that Ross Colton and Corey Perry were leading the Lightning in scoring, in goal scoring, would you think they're three wins or two wins away from another conference final? No, I thought I would have thought they would have lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs exactly. in round number one. But, exactly. Uh, easier said than done. I mean, listen, the goaltending matchup, I think, is a big, big advantage for Tampa. And I don't know if we spend enough time talking about what John Cooper has been able to do uh, behind the bench. And it's a tough, tough matchup for Andrew Burnett, who wasn't even a head coach at the beginning of the season and, you know, made the most of a very, uh, you know, a great opportunity uh, with a great team. Uh, but I have a feeling it's going to be, we'll be talking more about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hey, just quickly before we get to the ice, Battle of Alberta, what a banana's yeah. first game. <laughs> what do you think? What do you expect from the Oilers coming back tonight? Boy, it's so interesting. I mean, Mike Smith, uh, you would expect him to bounce back, but man, oh man, that was a tough goal. What I do expect is for Jacob Markstrom to be better. So to be honest, <laughs> us, it may not even matter what the Oilers do. Uh, what we've seen from Connor McDavid is absolutely exceptional. But without Leon Dreisaitl, you know, basically playing on one leg right now, you know, they need more. Uh, it sounds crazy to say they need more. They put up six. And I'm going to say this too. I love the fact that Jay Woodcroft said several times in his post game that, um, you know, it's it, it seems obvious, but if you put up six against a team that's as defensively sound as the Colorado or the Calgary Flames, you should win the game. I mean, that's pretty evident. But, uh, I mean, the Flames' top line, excellent job. And there, too, like the, the ebbs and flows of games. I mean, Rasmus Anderson, you know, completely, him and his partner, Noah Hannafin, both completely out to lunch on the tying goal. But they went right back and got it. Like, they, they reset and had the ability to take over the game. So, uh, the Flames' depth is just better for me, Huss. Uh, McDavid has been otherworldly right now, and that's not a surprise. But, you know, they need more from some of their other, uh, you know, guys down the lineup. And, I mean, the Flames are, are just at play. It took them, it was so hard for them to get past Jake Ottinger that you kind of felt like there was an offensive explosion on the horizon. And as much as people were ripping the goaltending, I mean, they should have put up double digits in that game. Let's be honest. There were a couple of place, situations in that game where it could have gone completely off the rails um, because of the way the Flames were really rolling and Johnny Goudreau coming through and, um, you know, what a scene with the, you know, the Kachuk family. And, and that's another wake up. That's another wake up situation for me. People saying that Brady should not be. Okay. Let me uh, ask you this. I, yeah. I've seen, I've heard this sentiment quite a bit of people whining and complaining about people yeah. that are giving, I have yet to see anyone actually giving Brady Kachuk a hard time. I've just heard a lot of people complaining about it happening. Are we creating something out of nothing that doesn't really exist or is there a large group of people that I've somehow missed that are mad online that Brady's having fun cheering on his brother now that he's out of the playoffs? Yeah, I'm not sure it's a large group online, but I've seen some of the sentiment. And yeah, you know, I know where you're going, Huss. I mean, sometimes these narratives get on, take on a life of their own in the playoffs. But I mean, let's not get ourselves. It's brother. nothing wrong with a little brotherly love. And, you know, if he happens Who's to having ha more fun than the Kachucks right now during the playoffs? Nobody, all of it, all both of Matthew on the ice and the entire family and thing. Hey, listen, he's we not gotta wanting run. to toss, not wanting to toss the hat <laughs> on the ice. Also tremendous. I mean, keep <laughs> tremendous. What a, that, like that? Keep having a, fun is all I'm saying. Keep a reality it, show. If you have a sibling playing, <laughs> cheer them on as much as you, in any sport, NHL, otherwise. You got it. Go hey, listen, it. we got Jack Finley coming up uh, next Perfect. in just a second, so we got to run. But uh, quickly tee up the uh, show today, 5 p.m., where you guys will be breaking down all aspects of this heavyweight tilt between Winnipeg and Edmonton.
Yeah, it should be tremendous, uh, as you mentioned, kind of collision course between two of the best teams in the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, uh, Brian Munns will join us uh, midway through the show, but we've also got a great special treat. We're going to dig into the, uh, you know, the, you know, the inquisitive mind of Brandon Wheat King's head coach, Don McGillivray, McGillivray who's very familiar Donnie, with both of beautiful. these teams. So Donnie coming right out of the gate at 5.05 uh, should be an absolutely tremendous uh, conversation uh, with someone who's had to prepare to face both teams. So it's going to be a really great series. Uh, we're going to be down at the uh, Ice Cave at Wayne Fleming Arenas for what figures to be a very festive atmosphere as well. And uh, should be a lot of fun in the, the series. And, you know, we expected it to go, you know, we'll probably go uh, much like, uh, you know, some of these other series. She could go the distance and what we know for sure, uh, two excellent teams uh, with, with a bigger goal in mind. But they got to go through one another in order to reach that goal. Should be a lot of fun. Well, hopefully you'll see you at the rink this weekend. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. I'll have a tremendous weekend, my friend. 5 p.m. tonight, Kenny and Rennie special round three, Edmonton Oil Kings, Winnipeg Ice. You can check that at the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. Um, all right, we're going to talk about that series and welcome in Big Ice Center Jack Finley in just a second. Uh, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. If you're thinking about a new vehicle for the summer, what are you waiting for? Start your search with the experts at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? And if you're thinking going electric, find out more about the Teslas on the lot as well as the Tesla Experience Program to teach you everything you need to know about a switch to an electric vehicle. Not Auto Corp is at Waverly and McGilvery, and they're online at not.ca. Well, listen, it's not going to be very nice out tonight. The sun will come out tomorrow and through the long weekend, and uh, it might not be relatively hot outside, but that doesn't mean we can't make the most of the weekend with the great taste of Little Brown Jug. And of course, Little Brown Jug has a cider they've just launched, which is fermented for four and a half months from cold-pressed apples from an Ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast. Dry and refreshing and gluten-free, along with some other great new products from Little Brown Jug, including the Queer Beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and Folkfest Lager. Stop by their taproom or patio this weekend to try one of their new brews. And you can also check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca with city-wide delivery services as well. Hey, we had our friends from Princess Auto um, join us. We were talking a little bit about the uh, opening of the Gold Eye season. Gold Eyes are on the road for the next 10 days or so, but we will have bomber action next Friday. And if you're heading out to IG Field for any bomber game this year, make sure to take part in the fun pregame at the Princess Auto tailgate party has a proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, Princess Auto, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the project projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24-7, 365 at Princess Auto auto.com and hey the weather might not be great outside but a blizzard will certainly go a long way to making us feel a little more summery uh blizzards well they never went anywhere but they're definitely back pop on over to our friends at the nick and nikki dq group this weekend the dq niverville dq northgate dq polo park and dq st anne's for the taste of summer the famous dairy queen blizzard and while you're at it Check out those new stack burgers, six of them. They are amazing as well. And hey, if you're sitting at home watching the games and you want to get the great taste of DQ from Nick and Nikki, all three Winnipeg locations are on your favorite delivery app. All right, 
We will hit the Preakness with Kirk Contois. We will have our own marble race before 3 p.m. But right now, let's get ready for tonight's game one between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. And welcome in big 6'6 center Jack Finley to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Jack, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, we had to you know, spend a week of practice. It was like the regular season at times when you guys were off for a little bit. But uh, the bell rings tonight, and this really is a heavyweight tilt. How fired up are you and your teammates to go at it in uh, a series that we've basically been waiting for all season long? Yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's very exciting for us. You know, we've we've wanted to you know play Edmonton in a playoff series for the whole year, and um, you know, I know me personally, I only got to play them one time um, since the trade and. Um, you know, playing in that game was probably the fastest game I've ever played in in junior hockey. Um, so, you know, this series is going to be going to be fun and, and going to be a grind. So we're all really excited for it. You know, let's quickly talk about the ice getting to this point. Uh, 4-1 series wins in round one and round number two. I mean, some big convincing wins. You did lose a couple games and bounce back big afterwards. I mean, you're the only player really with any significant playoff experience in your entire team. How uh, how the first couple series been from your perspective, and uh, how has that um, helped you guys get ready for uh, this serious challenge against Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've had a, an easy road getting here. Uh, you know, PA and and Moose Jaw were both two really tough opponents. Um, you know, they played us really hard, and um, I think you know it was really good for us to um, you know to learn from both of those two series. And um, you know, we're lucky enough we got got them done in five, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's been a, a big learning process for a lot of guys because, like you said, um, you know, there's half the team or even more haven't played any playoff games. So, um, you know, I think it's, you know, a little bit of an adjustment at the start and, you know, because the pace elevates. Um, but, you know, I think the team's done a good job so far and, um, you know, we're just you know getting ready for tonight. The, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, we mentioned that playoff experience. I mean, you had the 15 games of Spokane in 18-19. And I believe one other player had like a couple of games, but for the most part, it was a completely clean slate. So I'd imagine as opposed to a normal year coming out of normal seasons where there's been playoffs and you had this, I, I think there's probably more to build on for the first couple rounds for the Winnipeg guys. Uh, but as I said, this entire season, I'm sure, even though you got to think about the next game in the back of your minds, you've known that whoever's going to come out of the East is going to be, have to beat the other guy. And it was going to come down to Edmonton and Winnipeg at some point. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I like I said before, I think, you know, they're they're probably our toughest opponent that, you know, we've played this season. Um, and I think, you know, we just try to focus on beating, you know, again, through PA and Moose John. You know, I think in the back of our heads, you know, maybe we knew Edmonton was was going to come along. Um, but now that now that it's here, um, you know, it's just, you know, back to work and, and we're excited to play. Uh, Jack, let's talk about your season, uh, you know, with the Winnipeg Ice, of course, you were one of the big additions in and around the WHL trade deadline coming over to Spokane. Uh, you bring the 6-6 frame, uh, you know, great draft pedigree and a lot of experience as well. What do you think about the team that you joined and now how have things gone for you personally since you joined the team here in Winnipeg? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I'm so grateful that you know, I got, you know, put in and traded to Winnipeg. I mean, I was obviously sad leaving leaving behind Spokane, but, um, you know, for me, I just wanted a, an opportunity to go on a deep playoff run. And, um, you know, Winnipeg was, you know, for sure the number one team that I had wanted to go to. And um, there's just so many 
insanely good players. Like it, it kind of blew my mind coming and skating with these guys um, the first day. And, um, you know, the coaching staff has done an amazing job, um, you know, reigning in the group. And, um, you know, it's it, it's been amazing for my development and, and, you know, to play with these guys. It's been awesome. Tell us about We've had some great chats with James Patrick on the program throughout the year. He obviously is a, you know, incredibly respected former NHL or much like your, uh, your father. Um, how has he uh, helped you? And uh, tell us about the role that uh, they've had you play since joining the club. Yeah. James has been, been amazing. Um, you know, he's, you know, the thing about, you know, coaching in the dub is, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing it. And, um, you know, his way has been awesome. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously uh, had a background in coaching, coaching the NHL for a long time. So um, he knows what he's talking about and he's very smart. You know, he knows how to get the best out of every single guy because, um, you know, I think every guy needs to be treated a little bit differently. And, um, you know, for me coming in here, I didn't really know, um, you know, all, all the players and, and what type of games they played. So I think it was a little bit of a feeling out process on, you know, what can I do to help the team? And, um, you know, I think for me, just just playing heavy, uh, you know, being good on face-offs and PK and, and being kind of a shutdown guy who can can also produce offensively, that's something that I've tried to do. And, um, you know, it's if, if the team's winning and I'm doing that, then I'm happy. Jack Finley from the Winnipeg Ice is with us. Game one tonight between the Ice and Oil Kings out at the Ice Cave. I mean, you, you come here, I mean, it's pretty clear if you see you walking amongst your teammates. I mean, you're a big dude, 6'6". You mentioned playing that heavy game. Is the playoffs the time when Jack Finley shines? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I try to. Um, I think, you know, the playoffs, you know, you watch the NHL playoffs, it's it's a big man's game. And, um, you know, I, I got blessed with, with having size. So, um, you know, for me to get the best out of my game, I try and use that as much as I can. And, um, you know, maybe be a leader for the team in that sense, you know, trying to be physical and, um, you know, making sure that, you know, guys can follow behind me and be physical too. Now, Jack, you're a second round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I have to ask you, uh, you know, being the property of the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, what the experience was like at Tampa Bay Lightning training camp and and being around not just so many guys, like many that are pretty much shoe-ins for the Hall of Fame, but going into a room with that sort of championship pedigree um, and, and real greatness, so back-to-back cups and uh, now continuing to do what they're doing in this year's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, my first camp uh, was during COVID and, you know, I, I didn't really expect to get invited to it because it was a short roster, but, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to. And, I mean, you know, going in there, I was very nervous because I, you know, I had been watching this team that had just won the Stanley Cup and, and so many amazing players. And um, it, it was such a dream come true, um, you know, and I, I think the main thing is, you know, obviously they're great hockey players, but, um, you know, the way they treated me and, and the other younger guys was was amazing. You know, Hedman, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, they're all um, such great leaders. And, um, you know, for me, I just try to go in there and, and, and try and pick up little things and just watch them. And, um, you know, it, it honestly blew my mind how good good they were so it was uh, a really cool learning experience i know job one right now is uh on the western hockey league playoffs but have you still been keeping an eye on the on the parent club and seeing what they've been doing both against the leafs and this big two nothing series lead against the panthers yeah i'm definitely rooting for them again you know they've they, they sure know how to win um you know they, they keep uh keep playing great and, and keep finding a way to win so um you know i think there's a lot of things that 
that they do that you know our team can even learn from so i know we've all been watching them you know, I've got to quickly ask you about your, your family. I mean, of course, your father was a longtime NHL defenseman, and I, you know, just kind of thought of him as the Islanders. But as you mentioned before, and he actually did play in the final year of the Winnipeg Jets. Did he ever tell you what it was like to be a, a member of the team here in the peg? Yeah, he uh, he got me ready for uh, the weather, I guess, is I think the first thing he told me is, uh, you know, bring your winter jackets. But It ain't Kelowna. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. But uh, no, he, he loved uh, his time here, and um, you know, I can't, I wasn't, I wasn't born back then. So obviously I didn't get to experience that with him, but, uh, you know, he said he loved Winnipeg. He loved the organization. And, um, I think he was a little bit sad to, to leave Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, when they went down to the desert, I think he was excited for the weather. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine that. That was one thing. I mean, it was, uh, it was a brutal time for the city to lose the team, but, uh, and a number of players, you know, they got to continue it. And the bottom line is we've got so much hockey now. We've got the Jets, the Moose, and the Ice. The two pro teams are out. Now it's all eyes on you. We've seen growing interest in the team throughout the year. We've seen the bigger crowds and great atmospheres in the playoffs. How uh, how excited are you and uh, your teammates to uh, get out in front of a packed crowd tonight and get at it in this uh, highly anticipated series? And how big of a help can the fans be for your club? Yeah, the, the fans have been awesome, actually. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of a smaller barn, but it's always, um, you know, sold out and packed. and and really loud um and i think you know having home ice advantage having your fans behind you such a such a big advantage for us and um we're really excited and you know i think the fans are going to be excited too well uh, this is going to be a phenomenal series we've been waiting for it it is here tonight and saturday 7 p.m at the ice cave before the series heads west to edmonton jack thanks so much for doing this good luck to your teammates tonight we'll be out at the rink cheering you guys on and uh Hopefully, we'll uh, maybe have some time for some more chats in the coming weeks if uh, you guys can continue uh, staying alive. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. Great stuff with Jack Finley. 7 o'clock tonight is game number one. 7 o'clock tomorrow night, game number two. Hope to see some of you out there. If you haven't seen the ice so far this year, they are the real deal, but so are their opponents, the Edmonton Oil Kings, top two teams in Canadian junior hockey for most of the year. It will be well worth your time to get out to the Ice Cave, and I'll hopefully see you there. Um, in addition to uh, checking out what's happened at the Ice Cave, probably a great weekend to post up with the fellas and the gang at Boston Pizza for all the great action in the National Hockey League playoffs, some great NBA as well, and not to mention golf all afternoon with the PGA Championship um, when you're at BP, you'll be chowing down on those famous Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, ice-cold schooners. And if you're staying home and want the great taste of BP, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And hey, we're less than two weeks away from horsing around again together out at Assiniboia Downs. Opening day is on May the 31st. Now, we're going to be talking horse racing right now. I still can't get over what happened to the Kentucky Derby. The second leg of the Triple Crown goes tomorrow at Pimlico. It's the Preakness Stakes, and we can't have a Triple Crown race without bringing Kirk Contois from his Cinnaboy Downs on to give us a little bit of a thought. Kirk, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing excellent, Hustler. Getting ready for opening day. Our entries are actually next Friday for the following Monday or following Tuesday racing that starts off the uh, season Tuesday and Wednesday. And we got four stake races. So it's going to be a couple exciting days to start it off. 
with all the steaks. No doubt. Everyone chowed down at the world-famous buffet at ASD yesterday with the big uh, launch of the season, and now we count down to the 31st and then get going with Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday live racing throughout the summer and into the fall. Hey, listen, before we talk about the Preakness, we had you on the day before the Derby. We talked about all the horses in. I'm not sure the name Rich Strike came out. I don't even know if we knew that he was in the race at that time. I just quickly have to ask you about the Kentucky Derby and the historic 80 to one upset that we witnessed in one of the most thrilling races of all time in the sport. Hustler. It was the underdog getting the job done with Manitoba connections to it. Uh, Yeah. Rich strike was able to weave his way through the pack and get it done at 80 to one. He was the longest shot on the board. As we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, a couple of friends did have $5 win wagers. What did that $5 return them? $400. And on ASD Live, I was telling you, I took Smile Happy, who ended up in uh, eighth place. But uh, I took a bet, the exactor with all, and and then him for second with all for first. I didn't get it, but if I would have took Epicenter, I would have got that exactor, which paid $4,100 but it's the money that was available that's crazy. $25 million just in the exactor pool. It, absolutely astounding amount of money. What, what, what would a $2 exactor have paid? If you had a $2 Rich Strike Epicenter, what, what was that $2 ticket worth at the Derby? $4,100. But Hustler, when we were talking about it the day before... Rich Strike wasn't even in the race. The horse got scratched late, the 20 horse. And because there's extra horses sitting on the sidelines, just in case that happens, Rich Strike was in because the other one was out. If not, he would have been just sitting there grazing, watching the race on the outside, but he ended up getting in. And so we never even got to talk about him. Not that I would have picked him in there, but uh, he wasn't even a thought at the time. Certainly one of the most historic wins in racing history and the big, I believe the second biggest upset by the numbers in the history of the Kentucky Derby, which brings us to the Preakness. Where's Rich Strike? No no triple crown. You don't win the Derby. You don't come back and try and keep it rolling. See, the one thing about the triple crown is I think within the coming years, there's going to be an adjustment because this race is 14 days back. And a lot of these horses that are the top horses in the world, it's three to four weeks in between races for them. So it's coming back real quick. And the last thing you want to do with a young, especially a young horse, like a two and a three-year-old, the three-year-olds are in the Preakness, are get them injured or run them when they're not 100%. And that's why so many go in the Derby, they duck the Preakness, and then they come back in the Belmont. Well, that's not the case for Epicenter. A uh, a close but no cigar in the Derby. Epicenter is the favorite. We're looking at opening lines six to five. Uh, you've got early voting seven to two. Secret Oath nine to two. Those are sort of the clear top three. We got yep. one other team, one other horse in single digits. Simplification in six to one, and then five other horses from 10 uh, or or larger. Um, Is this Epicenter's uh, race to lose in your mind, Kurt? I mean, how big of a favorite is Epicenter and how 
big of a favorite should it be? Epicenter will be the big favorite on the board, and deservedly so, because in the Derby, the horse ran a winning race as Zandon, the other one that was the second favorite, came from the back of the field to challenge him as he already made his move, and he would not let Zandon buy down the lane. But what he did was he didn't see the inside horse, Rich Strike, who ended up getting him in the end. So I think that was a great race by uh, Epicenter. And what I really like about it, a lot of these horses since their last race, because it was so quick, they didn't get workouts coming back. Their little morning breezes they get, but they never got a workout. Yet Epicenter did get a workout nine days after the Derby, a, a little short half mile. But what that means to me, he's ready to go. And I love seeing that workout. Well, I mean, if you don't want to hit the chalk with the uh, with the short favorite as epicenter, um, where else should we be going? And uh, I mean, if you were filling out a little triactor wheel, who are the other horses that you're going to be sticking in? Uh, who do we like outside of the big favorite? Well, outside of the big favorite, I, I like a 10 to one shot. The two creative minister. This horse has run three times at three different racetracks. Two of them were in the maiden race, never winning a race. It lost by a close one. And then one easy, it's next one. Went into a tougher race at a different racetrack and one easy. And the horse's numbers keep getting better each time. And that is a horse that could be peaking. Those numbers are lower because they're not stakes races. But what the horse is showing me, it's improving every start. So I like the 10 to 1 odds. I'm putting him for second. Nicely done. So we've got Epicenter as the favorite. We've got Creative Minister. And I guess you'll be looking at maybe an Epicenter, a Creative Minister, Quinella, or uh, go with the Exactor with the favorite in one and uh, the Minister in two. Yeah, go for the Exactor. I like playing straight tickets. I also like Simplification. The one horse uh, was well back in the Derby, made a really nice rally down the lane, did finish fourth behind the top three, but uh, beat the rest of the field. So you have to have respect. Secret Oath, the four, it's a girl against the boys. Last time she ran against the boys, she ran third. And the two horses that beat her, both in the derby, ran 19th and 6th. And the trainer said, could have won the race. But even winning the race, those horses finish in those positions. I think Secret Oath really will have to have her running shoes on to get the win but I think she might be able to get third or fourth. Um, before we go, considering what happened at the Kentucky Derby with which Rich Strike at 80 to one, how much steam do you think the long shot Fenwick at 50 to one will get just because of what happened at the Derby? Well, I think a lot of people are licking their wounds because they weren't on the Rich Strike bandwagon. So backing Fenwick in here against Epicenter, that's going to be a tough task. But because of what everybody saw, they just might put a little tiny bet on the side, maybe take Fenwick with Epicenter and try and get a tractor because the tractor would still pay really well if Fenwick even got second and third. I'm going to roll with you, Kurt. We'll uh, have a little HPI action on uh, Creative Minister on the weekend, and uh, maybe we'll throw in Epicenter and Secret Oath for a little tractor wheel as well as we uh, learn more about the ways we can bet online as opposed to the good stuff, which, of course, is May 31st, opening day, 
just fill us in on the vibe around ASD. I know we had to wait an extra week or an extra eight days this year from when it was originally scheduled, but uh, exciting times coming up. Hopefully some nice weather and some great action out at the track. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, most of our jockeys are in. We're only waiting on a couple of more to fly in this weekend. And uh, the horsemen are excited for opening day. And as I said, Friday is the day that we enter for those races running on Tuesday. And uh, people are already chomping at the bit, wanting to enter their horses. But we're not going to let them until Friday. So the vibe is good and we're ready to go at ASD. Well, and I know the prime rib buffet will be ready to go and everything else that happens in and around it. Listen, uh, say hi to uh, Sharon and Sherry and Darren and the gang. We can't wait to see you guys out there coming up on the 31st and throughout the summer to Cinnaboy announce. Thanks for doing this, Kurt. No problem, Hustler. Thanks for having me on. And good luck tomorrow in the pre because there he is, Kurt Contois from Cinnaboya Downs. Well, uh, Remus and I will be going head-to-head again. I have unfinished business after taking the L to him in our season handicapping competition last year. We'll get going with that on the 31st of May for the first day of live racing. All right, we still have some business to take care of, everybody. Friday afternoon, you know what that means. It is marbles time, or it will be very shortly. Uh, and, of course, we do that courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. We're kind of hoping it might be better weather to uh, grab a six-pack of the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale and enjoy in the sunshine, maybe later on in the weekend. But the bottom line is you don't have to wait. You can pick up six-packs of the new ready-to-drink CC and ginger ale at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart or at your local beer store. And, of course, if you're popping into your Manitoba Liquor Marts, also check out the displays with the OG Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Uh, we will get to the cool bet lines in a minute, but let's just bring Michael Remus in here. And uh, Remo, I don't know, this could be guest-wise one of our busiest weeks ever. Certainly, uh, we've had great per uh, great turnout in the chat, great to turnout in YouTube. Pod downloads are up, but uh, the amount of uh, quick change from guest to guest has been uh, been keeping you busy, I'm sure. But that uh, now we're at the end of a great week, and you know how we finish it. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and you're right. Usually, we have about you know, one to three guests a show. Uh, there's been a number of shows this week where we've had four. And, uh, yeah, it's been a couple quick changeovers, but we're good. I, before we get in, I want to give a couple shout-outs here in the chat. I see, sorry, let me scroll up here. I believe it was Roland who comes in, Huss. He says, I work too much. How do we get in on the marble race? I've only listened on the podcast. What's up, Roland? You're in the right place at the right time, my friend. Get ready. We're going to roll it all out for you. So, yeah, we'll put a, should I just do it now? Hit out the command yeah. here? Oh, sexy chat, XYZ. Oh, he's back? Oh, no. Yeah, sexy chat is the, back. The sex, the <laughs> sexy sex bots. Time. They know what time it is. She's Friday. Back. Sexy chat wants in on the Marvel race. And then uh, one other shout out. Uh, Joe Long popped in during that segment with Kurt. He says, I finally found a live hockey. And, you know, YouTube show and they're talking horse racing. And I was like, yeah, Joe, we spend, you know, majority of the show on, on hockey playoffs, jets, Barry trots. But, uh, yeah, we do get into other topics as well. So, uh, it's welcome. all secondary to marbles, Joe buckle up. We're going to have some fun with this, but yeah, hit that red subscribe button and uh, make sure to join us daily at 1 PM. Uh, I would say it always depends on time of year, but 
the hockey scene, the Winnipeg hockey scene, the Jets, the Moose, the Ice will always be big stories here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the Canadian Football League coming up. Uh, first and foremost, what's ever important to Winnipeg sports fans, we try and deliver that. And, of course, have some fun and talk about all the other big stories in the world of sports Monday to Friday, next week, Tuesday to Friday because of the long weekend. Uh, but, again, so listen, let's roll this out. Uh, we can open up the uh, – we can open up the um, – uh the entries which yeah. remus has done so uh joe and roland and anyone else new make sure you hit the red subscribe button so you're eligible to win and then simply in the chat put in exclamation mark marbles um you only need to do it once we'll grab all the names in a second we'll throw them in and uh we will give away to our winner one of the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies that we did with our friends over at Canadian Club. And uh, hey, shout out to Alana Sutton. Alana going for a back-to-back -back win. We've never had that before. Alana came by and picked up our hoodie yesterday. Appreciate her listening and everyone that makes Winnipeg Sports Talk part of their week, their routine, and especially the Friday program when we drop the marbles. So yes, if you want in, it's completely free. Just put in exclamation mark marbles in the YouTube chat. And while you do that, let's get to the Cool Bet lines for tonight. Of course, our friends at Cool Bet, uh, Chris Abbott joined Dustin Nielsen and myself on the lock shop earlier. Picks for tonight, picks for the weekend are all up there for you at Hustlerama on Twitter, at Nielsen TSN 1260. And, um, of course, on your favorite podcast feed, search Lock Shop and subscribe. All right. You know what? I'm going to actually start off not with the National Hockey League, but the WHL. We have lines. They finally figured out that uh, the Kootenai Ice are now the Winnipeg Ice. That's been changed. That's nice. And the Ice are a minus 152 favorite at home in game number one of the Eastern Conference Championship. Edmonton Oil Kings, the road team, plus 114. Um, and the other series, Seattle Thunderbirds at the Kamloops Blazers. Kamloops minus 122. Seattle minus 109. As far as the National Hockey League goes, two games tonight, the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Uh, I'll be honest, I uh, put a little sprinkle on the Rangers tonight. Love the way they played in that first game. I thought they probably deserved a better fate. I think uh, he, they and Ilya Shesterkin will be ready to go tonight and maybe can give the Canes their first loss on home ice of the playoffs. If you like the Hurricanes, minus 161 on the money line. And then tonight, it's the Battle of Alberta, plus 151 for the Edmonton Oilers, minus 172. Although, I'm taking the under. It's 15 goals in the first game. Something's got to give. I think Markstrom's much better tonight, and I would imagine the Oilers will be better both defensively and in net. So I'm actually gonna gonna take that under six and a half. You can get plus money on it right now, plus one oh three on the under for tonight's game. And Calgary, if you do like the puck line, minus one and a half, win by two, plus one thirty-eight. Um, blues tomorrow, plus one forty-one, home underdog to the Avalanche, who are minus one sixty-seven. And on uh, Sunday, I guess yeah, it'll be Sunday afternoon game, Panthers and Lightning. Lightning minus 114, Panthers minus 103, Panthers staring a 3-0 deficit in the face if they can't get a win. 
All right, Reem. Those are our cool bet lines. Hey, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. And if you want more on the golf, on the basketball, Jays this weekend, make sure to tune into today's episode of The Lock Shop. Uh, all right, Reem. We want to gather the uh, gather the names and we can uh, get ready for the festivities known as the ever-popular WST Marble Race. Sure. Uh, last chance to get them in. How many do we have now? I'll look it up. we got 138 names, so usually we have both that. I see not everyone in chat is, you know, typing it in. we got 280 people in here. What's up? Thanks, everyone. What a great week it's been. And if you missed anything, <laughs> check out our videos, you know, of past streams. Or we've been, I've been clipping some of the Jets-related segments. With, you know, Craig Button yesterday was excellent. It's getting a ton of viewership. Marat on Wednesday. And there was one other one as well. Oh, yeah, us talking about, uh, I don't know, the Barry Trotz news. Well, that he was getting an interview. We were in, <laughs> people were commenting in that. It's like, you guys are just like giddy. The fact that he got an, yes. is getting an interview. And we're just Correct. Like, yeah. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Hey, it's been a great topic on the program. There's a lot of excitement amongst Jet fans that that could be a possibility. And we're definitely going to be talking about it. But yeah, for Joe, as I said, if you want more hockey content, at least specifically about the team and what we've talked about this week, best bet, go to the YouTube channel. As Remus just mentioned, he's been doing a great job clipping some of the key segments of the program. If you weren't able to hang with us for the full two hours and get that out there. And uh, it's all there at the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel, which if you're watching with us right now, you're already here. Red subscribe button and join us on the daily. All right, <clears throat> so... If you're not familiar, and by the way, um, yeah, this is uh, this is the most fun part of the week. I mean, if half the people have not entered the marble race, I guess my question is, what the heck are you doing? Just put in exclamation mark marbles. Remus is going to finish it up, or I guess we've now finished it up. We've closed it up, and now it's time to load up the names. Um, who else are we going to add in? I, Barry Trotz is definitely getting a marble this weekend, Reem. I think people want him to have like a permanent marble, unless he signs somewhere else, and then... Once, if he doesn't sign then with the Jets, banned. then he's, yeah, then he's banned, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trotz gets a marble every week until there's some sort okay. of clarity. I'll do and, a and, and if, of course, he does become the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, he's going to get a lot more than a marble from those of us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so we'll put in, we'll put in Barry Trotz. We'll put in Naylor. We'll put in Jack Finley. Barry Trotz. Dave. Yeah. Dave Naylor, and then uh, Kenny Weeb. Yeah. And Kirk Contois. Actually, and we should probably put in Rich Strike as well. Rich. Oh, maybe Rich Strike can pull a Rich Strike. And if emerge. Rich Strike wins this, that would be that would be truly incredible. And again, those are our fun ones. If uh, if those marbles win, we'll give the first prize to the second place marble. And yes, we do have our own version of the Masters Green Jacket. It is the Canadian Club Winnipeg Sports Top Collab hoodie. And I think we've pretty much got all sizes still right now. So I hope we've got you hooked up. If you do win, hit us with an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and we'll set up a time for you to pop by and pick it up. All right, Remo. So we've got the names in. Where are we going today? Well, before we go, I think it's time to oh. hit, hit the music. That's right. Tristan, let's go. I hit the wrong thing. Sorry. One sec. <laughs> it's time to go.
All right, just about ready to drop the marbles to finish off a packed week of Winnipeg sports talk. Again, don't forget, ice tonight, Oil Kings, Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Ice Cave. I'm going to take in some games. We'll certainly look forward to seeing you there. And just before we drop the marbles, quick PGA update for you from the PGA Championship. Justin Thomas in the lead, six under. He's in the clubhouse. Will Zalatoris is five under. Rory McIlroy and Abe Anser are four under. Matty Fitzpatrick is three. He's in the clubhouse. And at three under, Cam Smith, the mullet, looking good. I need him. Mito Pereira and Tom Hoagie as well. Xander Shoffley at two under. Looks like the cut number is going to be plus four. So if you're if your guys are in your pool or plus five or worse, they better make it up. Otherwise, they probably won't be playing on the weekend. Um, and again, you can check out the uh, up-to-date live cool bet lines all weekend long for the PGA Championship. All right, Reem. Uh, last week's marble race was one of our best yet. I'm looking forward to today. Where are we going? What uh, what course do we have for today and our competitors? I picked one, and um, I didn't like it, so I'm going on alienated. I don't know what this is. It looks dark. You think it's too dark? Here we go. Well... It's starting right now. Should I uh, hit it? Should we do this one? Good luck to everyone in. We've got a UFO. Oh. This could be... Uh, I don't know. It might be too dark. Let me do one more. One more. Sorry. I uh, picked the first one. Okay. That's fine. I think that might be one where the UFOs suck up the, yeah, uh, suck up we the did, marbles, too. We did that one. It wasn't good. What about the twisted toothpick? Yeah, I don't think we've done that for a while. I'll head twisted toothpick. Have we done that one before? I don't remember I that I think one. we've done a lot of them now. It's just what happens when you play this game once a week for a year <laughs> well, i'm into it if you can read this your monitor is upside down all right. here we go all right the twisted toothpick good luck to everyone oh by the way hoodie for first place last marble across the line we'll get you a dq ice cream cake from nick and nicky dq shout out to uh I believe it was Tikona Polly that got that. And a big thanks to Nick, who I believe arranged that even without me and ended up uh, dropping it off. Great service from our friends over at Nick and Nikki. All right. Great week. Big long weekend coming up, but it's not the long weekend until we drop the marbles on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus, let's go. There we go. Big drop down. This is somewhat like a, uh, like a Plinko board, if you will. If you recall the uh, greatness of the prices right back in the day. Big start. Kochi 53 in the mix. I see T-Bone in there. Trevor Frost looking pretty good. Wow, major loop-de-loop here. All the marbles going through and no real separation between our top marbles. And uh, look, Manny Fran with a nice start. Manny Fran, a former winner at one point. I see Doug Phil here. This is straight up like a roller coaster. Reminds me of uh, trips as a kid to Bush Gardens. Uh, looks like Jay Malott's looking pretty good right now. Who else do we have here? Relaxing. My guy Relaxing's in the mix. I like to see Relaxing get in. Doug Phil. Where else do we have here? Oh, there goes Mike Clay. S. Tristan Elder. Rivers. Tristan Rivers right at the front right now. Wouldn't that be something if the artist of the hit single, Marble Race, Look at this. Everyone is Ryan out. There could definitely be eliminations. Tristan's looking pretty good, though. Is he going to stay in? Tristan Rivers. Could it be? Could it be? I think it is. Tristan Rivers music with the W. Oh, 
I don't know if we could have a better uh, a better win. The guy that came, there's Kirk Contois going in. Tristan Rivers, the artist who put together the incredible theme song for the marble race, wins his first ever W. I know Candace had won before, but now Tristan also a blue hoodie winner as the winner of the marble race. Now, we are waiting to see what the final marble to get successfully in. It doesn't count if you get thrown over the top rope. That's an elimination. But the final marble across, we will hook up with a DQ ice cream cake from the Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, we see Paul Carr. Oh, there still is a couple still waiting to come in. Shane, Paul, who's this last one, Reem? Theo Seegers is lagging Theo. behind. Theo, now will Theo make it in or will he get burned? It looks like it. It looks like he's working it. There you go. Theo Seegers. All right. So Tristan, listen, congratulations. It's about time you got in the winner's circle. You've been with us from day one and, of course, are the muse of the hit theme song. And Theo Seegers, nice work for being last uh, both of you guys just hit us up, um, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Tristan, I know you're in the neighborhood. We can uh, get the hoodie to you right away. And Theo, uh, if you're sending us the email, let uh, put in your phone number as well as which of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, or St. Anne's would be the easiest one for you to get the cake. And uh, I'll talk to Nick. We'll get that set up. And uh He'll be uh, he'll be ready to go. We'll probably be able to have that for you maybe even sometime later on in the weekend or early next week. Uh, heck of a way to finish off another week, Reem. How about that? Tristan Rivers getting the dub. What a win. What a win. Uh, you love that theme song. I've been joking around that we need like an acoustic theme song right now, like a slowed down <laughs> acoustic version. Uh, I think Tristan be Rivers funny. music unplugged. The marbles. Yeah. yeah. And we're still the waiting remix? for the CD where he does... The Marble Race theme song, the Ken Weeb theme song. So I know I think Tr Kristen plays in some bands and does some gigs. I would I would be in. You know what? Maybe we'll do a special Winnipeg Sports Talk gathering, and we'll get Tristan just to bang out the hits. If he Ken did Kenny, a live, yeah, <laughs> Kenny, version. Sean's headband, Marble Race. I, I just let me do backing vocals on Sean on Sean's headband. I'll pay a lot of money to see you do backing John's vocals on literally band, anything. <laughs> band. Man, I love that song. Oh, yeah. Great, great, great message here. Stonewall Dave, huge dub for Tristan, true MVP of all Winnipeg and Jets online media chat rooms. No doubt about it. So, yeah, congrats to Tristan and Theo. Uh, hit us up. Uh, but yeah, Remo's got to go. I got to go. Hey, it's the weekend. Let's get after it, folks. Enjoy the uh, ice games tonight and tomorrow. I'll be at least one of them, if not both. Say hi if you see me there. And if not, enjoy three days away. And we'll be back with a packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk on Tuesday. Dave Poulin will be back. Uh, we'll have our regulars as well. Latest on Trot's Watch, Stanley Cup playoffs, Ice and Oil Kings, and so much more. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen. And most of all, thanks to you for making us a part of your day. Have a great May long weekend. We'll see you Tuesday right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.